I'm Justin Smith of Palmetto Coast Exotics. And I'm Phil Wolf of the Nefris Initiative. You're listening to Snakes and Stogies. The only podcast dedicated to fine tobacco. All things reptile related. And the people who love them. As part of the Repetoculture Network. and your voice so that's all right silence in my voice is all you ever need mm-hmm. phil's that... voice and snakes and stogies episode 136 coming at you live from the soon-to-be hurricane coated swamps of south florida yep yep so well, far actually, it's it like going like, right uh, above you guys though right yeah, but I'm going to get all the feeder bands and all the waves. And oh, yeah. We're already expecting storm surge on our coast, even though it's not even on our coast. So, I mean, to be brutally honest, Billy Hunt's getting the brunt of it. He's getting smacked dead on. So, uh, uh, hopefully everything goes okay for him, you know? Yeah. It's supposed to be up my way, I think, come like Saturday. And I think by then it's saying right now it'll just be like a tropical storm or depression, whatever. So yeah, okay, nothing yeah. Hopefully to, the... nothing to to worry about. Yeah, I um, I'm hoping that once it clears that that tip of Cuba, that uh, that those mountains on that tip kind of like break it up a little bit, you know, at least make it go down a category or two. Hopefully, so we'll see what happens. But tonight's show is brought to you by the fine people of the Pacific Northwest, the Gendra, the Puget Sound Pythons, as well as some of the finest, if not the finest, custom-made, hand-tailored cages and enclosures from... Handcrafted. Handcrafted from blackboxcages.com. Alex said a tropical depression is just him sitting on the beach. <laughs> nice. Very nice. Oh, I love it. By the way, I was pausing so that you would say blackboxcages.com with blackboxcages.com. Yes. Right here. Right here. Right there. Hit him up. So, uh, my buddy, shout out to my buddy Justin Olson who actually just moved down to the uh, my area. He's sort of on the south end of the county. I'm on the north, but he came over over the weekend. His wife and Katie hung out, and the kids hung out and all that stuff. And he got to get his hands. He got to see the black box stuff first firsthand. Nice. So he, uh, he, he he's hooked on the BioGs. He's definitely wanting to get some of those. He has some basin emeralds, so he wants to get some some for those. Uh, then you know the I showed him the racks and he was really impressed with those. So I think he's nice. gonna be gonna be grabbing some stuff here soon. So if he's gonna be placing an Aurora, I may see if he'll if he just wants to drive up there because I gotta get some stuff from them anyways. Excellent. Um, the rest of my lamp stuff for the Accucade should be coming in tomorrow, which means this weekend I can start working on the Accu uh, the Accu build. Heck yeah. So will be good and do my best to film that and somehow make it make sense i'm not a i'm not a handyman i mean 
Like you I can, can I can read stuff and do it, but in terms of like actually explaining it in a way that makes sense, that's what that's what struggles. The way that I like to describe my level of handymanness, which I think is, uh, forgive me if I'm speaking out of line, but on your same page of handymanness is that if the if the door of the cabinet got loose or fell off, I could put it back on. But don't expect me to build the entire cabinet. <laughs> yeah, I'm not rebuilding a like re re routing a door. Yeah, exactly. Or anything like that. I could drill a doorknob though. I've done Which that. Which is kind of why my that was scary. My drum <laughs> drum building career was uh was minimal because when you have to put in the um there's those snare beds on the bottom oh, yeah. of a snare drum that are like a very slightly routed section. And you can't make them too deep, and you don't want to make them too shallow. And I was like, unless the beds are already cut into it, which you can buy raw shells and have that done, um, I don't have the router to do it. So that and like figuring out lug placement and stuff and making sure all that's even. Like, thank God my dad's good at math because he helped me out. But nice, nice. Yeah, it's, it's something I've been thinking about a lot. Is like. I'm pretty smart in some aspects, but then I'm really dumb in others, and math is definitely one of those. Oh, you're preaching the choir, pal. Did uh, when you guys made your snare drum, did you do like a, a thick body or a thin body? Uh, it was like pretty standard. I think it was like 14 ply, maybe 13. Nice. It was maple. I have it still, and it actually sounds really good. Like I got the shell, and then you do all the drilling and staining and stuff yourself. And I got a little like custom made badge because I was gonna sort of pursue that a little bit i had a bamboo shell that i bought that didn't have the snare beds that i finished and never like i put uh like i stained it but i never finished doing anything else with it so all right i don't know you never know you could revisit it that's like the perfect retirement sort of thing like sure be out in my be out in my shed being a drum luthier you know yeah man it is driving cool. the neighbors it's, crazy it's it's even, I mean, it's really cool to be able to like play it and it be like, it sound good too. Like it doesn't sound like a garbage snare. Like I'm not even big on maple drums. Like I'm a birch mm-hmm. guy pretty much through and through and it sounds good. I mean, it's got that sort of warmness that you get from maple anyways, but I don't know. I just, I like it. It works. What kind of, what kind of heads do you want to be using? Um, I'm an Evans guy. I think G2s is typically what I what I roll with, depending on Fair enough. what it is. Coated. I like coated. Yeah, got to have coated. No. Do, you ever, do you ever hairspray coat your heads? I was in a, a, a minute little jazz group of us that just like garage band crap, you know? And uh, one of the guys was like, hey, man, uh, when you need a new snare head, we should spray it. And I was like, spray it? Like, what are you, what are you talking about? So I went out and I got a brand new pearl head and you just coat that son of a bitch in uh, Aquanet and just let it dry. And dude, with brushes, it was the raspiest snare drum you've ever heard. It was fantastic. Oh, see, that makes sense, especially with yeah. brushes. Yeah. yeah. But you couldn't do it too thick because then you're, you're, yeah. you're taking away reverberation. You're you getting, know? yeah, you're getting no yeah. tone out of it. Yeah. But it was, it was, it was yeah. pretty fun to do it. See, I'm, so. I'm one of those ones too, where like I don't change a head pretty much until it breaks and I've the heads that I have on my set have been on there for several years and they're like sort of the perfect amount of worn in. Yeah. You know, like do you just... have do you have like bald spots in the coating? Um 
on a few like of them. Yeah, on the, on the snare in particular that I that I have on the set right now, I do. I've got a nice. couple different snares that I'll swap out, but nice. I've got a uh, an old legend. It's um, I think it's bronze, and they don't even make them anymore. I found them on someone at a local shop had it, and I got it for like 150 bucks, and then went on eBay, and they're worth like 400 at least. That was wow. a couple years ago. They're probably worth more now, but. That's a really good sounding snare. So if I ever do get rid of my set, I'm definitely keeping that snare in case I ever come back to it because I love that. That and the one I made would be the two that I'd be keeping, even if they just sat in my closet. You know, nice. Yeah. There was a I, there's a guy I got to send you. Um, I can't remember his name on Instagram, but he does a lot of like high speed, almost like almost kind of like house music, but on a real kit, and mm-hmm. um, it's like super. It, it, very like very very fast pace very fast pace and uh <clears throat> i've seen i never saw this before but you know how like some people will put um like dog tag chain on like a ride symbol to give it like the sizzle uh-huh. well this dude i guess he had like some old pasty um inverted chinas right yep but he he drilled holes in them and then put like coil spring them. No, no, coil springs oh. in arcs, hmm. like like spring, like long springs, like, like the slinkies, long, like like but like very thin, like maybe a sharpie marker thickness, right? Hmm. And he, they would arc from one side of the symbol to the other and like cross over each other, but they were at varying heights, so the springs never touched. And dude, it's I, oh. I, I gotta send you the video. It's super cool, man. It's yeah, the weirdest it sound. Out. Yeah, I'll definitely send it to you. So. Hmm. <clears throat> But yeah, um, it's funny you mentioned blackboxcages.com and how you're redoing the Aki stuff. I um, I started to set up mine, and I was like, this is not how I want to do it. I have to really focus. So I made a decision. I'm going to put the Pseudocerastes field eye in there, or fieldy, excuse me. So I started carving foam and getting the foam because I decided I want to do like some rocky outcrops. And then Nipper was kind enough to send me some really badass landscape photos of when he was in the negev so i'm gonna have that as the background and uh like super hd negev desert oh, hilarious he actually sent me one of him like squatting in the desert oh, and God. i, I kind of want to like not like he's just squatting down with like his gear and i kind of want to use that photo because you be, like, totally a, should just have a hilarious somewhere yeah, he's like this big in the background dude like, you can send it to me and i'll photoshop it at any of the pictures you want me to <laughs> that's awesome so yeah so i gotta i'm gonna get those made and then i was just looking at habitat man and or just sucks. just have like a mountain like a hill or something and have put a bunch of nippers on it and it'd be like a, a whole pack <laughs> like a herd a yeah herd of nip nips <laughs> oh man so uh i started going on like iNaturalist and looking through all the middle eastern books that i have i mean i don't have that many but uh, i have a hand, good handful of them and dude there's no reported sightings of pseudocerastes on iNaturalist in either main egypt or sinai i mean and I, not and that I, surprising well and that's what you think but when you just look at like animals in general and iNaturalist in egypt like obviously major cities and major suburban areas have more animal sightings but like they have the internet like they have iNaturalist there's a shitload of sightings there's just no pseudocerastes. So I'm mm. wondering if these were collected on like the cusp of Sinai and Israel, like right in that like no man's land kind of area. Um, but I digress. 
so I'm carving all these fake rocks and shit, right? And I'm like talking to my buddy Chris about how we're gonna do some paint and some dry lock and like try and match whatever sand I wind up picking up. And then Nipper sends me more landscape photos, and all I see is just desert. And I'm like, this is not what I envisioned in my mind. So then again, I go on a naturalist. Now instead of looking at the animals, I'm looking at the terrain, mm-hmm. and it is not what I've been making at all in the least capacity. So now I got to go back to the drawing board. And now I'm going to figure out how to make um, sand dunes because that's basically what they're living in. They're living in sand on sand dunes with like these. I assume they're not dead, but for lack of a better word, dead plants, like dead thorn scrub type, you know, bushes. And they're living up in the shade of those. And uh, I was trying to think like, man, how do you make a fake sand dune? Because the minute you put sand on top of it, like over time, it's just going to slide, you know? And uh, my buddy Chris had a great idea. He's like, look at the the people that do... um, not Warcraft. What does Chris play? Oh, Warhammer. Warhammer. Yes. He's like, look at the Warhammer people. Look at the D&D people. See how they're making like little miniature sand dunes, like little miniature beaches and stuff. And just blow kind of up, adapt. Like it. blow up a balloon and then coat it in something that's going to be like have structure that will be able to maintain some level of weight on top of it. Right, right. Pop the balloon and then coat it in whatever you're going to coat it in. And sort of make a dune that way would be the, be the way I'd do it. But yeah, and I think I think that's what I'm going to wind up doing is just uh, something very similar. If anything, I was even thinking about taking excavator sand and not using it in the enclosure per se, but using it to coat the balloon or coat the you know the the Tupperware bowl yeah. to get my shape. And then once I have the excavator clay, then or and just stack on you know mm-hmm. whatever or whatever i'm doing on top of that um or even just coat like go to dollar tree or something get a small bowl like rough it up with sandpaper and then cover that yeah and just make it so that it's you can't really even tell that it's yeah a bowl you know what i mean like you'd cover it completely and i don't know there's there's all kinds of ways you could do stuff yeah and then chris was talking about uh how he's seen people take um imagine like a little micro cliff right and you have these rocks jutting out of this micro cliff, but the rocks appear to be doing this, but they're really doing that so that when you put sand on top of it, the sand, even if the sand slides, it's not going to fall off the edge mm-hmm. of the cliff. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So I think I'm going to start dabbling with that and, uh, and go from there because I'm sick and tired of looking at an empty cage. Ugh. Go man, go nuts. That's, I don't mm-hmm. know. I, I got my fix with all that with dart frogs. And I didn't even like doing that with smaller, like small exoterras, let alone yeah. a four foot black box. Like, yeah, I don't know. Call me lazy, but I'd be just taking some of those panels of bark and just putting them on the side. So. Yep. 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 So all in good time. Um. So I know that we have not had a THP in like, two weeks um jake was sick this week um last week we didn't have an episode because i was leaving friday to go out of town so spending time with the girls and we're supposed to be back thursday so we'll see um shouldn't have any issues i've been super sort of 
weary about it too, just because of the way that StreamYard's been acting up lately. I think we figured out earlier before we started that it is actually StreamYard that's having issues and not my internet yeah. because everything else in my house runs fine. But Phil had issues with StreamYard when he came on and he wasn't having internet issues. So StreamYard's just for some reason struggle, struggle busting right now. So yeah, man, I, I don't get it. And I think what you said earlier made sense made sense is that it's becoming so popular that their server is probably just overloaded. I mean, here's my I got a lot of data to have to store. I mean, and that's with me using this, using mm -hmm. my phone. You know, my roommate's got a, a Xbox going. So, yeah, if it were the Internet, the then that would be the, be the problem. Yeah. What are you smoking today? Uh, I'm smoking no cigar tonight because it is drizzling right now. And I just feel like. I, I didn't want to have like a feeder band come in and me have to like slam this laptop screen and like run inside and then like not be able to smoke my cigar. So I was like, you know what? I'll just save it. So I am cigarless this evening. Don't judge me. I have a Blackbird Rook, which is the Colorado wrapper. I actually nice. really dig the dig the the Blackbird stuff. It's really yeah, uh, you had one of the Daytona, didn't you? I'm pretty sure I did, but they're all uh. They're all really good. I've been really impressed with with pretty much all of them. So nice. Uh, Bill said StreamYard updated and made me re-log in to all streaming platforms. Worked all right after. So interesting. Yeah, could be that. Yeah, the pink foam. I think you can get that pretty much anywhere. Lowe's, Home Depot. <clears throat> yeah. Ace Hardware. Wherever. What's uh, what's what's new on the the wolf block? Well, I'm at 50 56 days on my lone synctus egg. So I picked it up and candled it and it looks freaking hollow. So I'm going to give it another day or two just to make sure showed it to a couple of buddies. Everyone's like, "Yeah, dude, that thing's empty." But it it feels perfect and looks perfect. So I don't know. Um so what's today? Today is Monday. So uh, I'll probably wind up cutting it if I can tomorrow night, depending on what this hurricane does. If not, it might be Thursday or Friday if it's even alive. Um, and what's uh, the typical incubation time on this? Uh, 50, 60 days, something like that. Oh, OK. So like I'm right in the window, but like right. normally when, when you candle it, like you can't see anything because, mm -hmm. you know, the, the geckos. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the full of everything. It's filled that whole that whole egg up Um, or at least you'll see like some light come like around the album and, you know. Right. Um, But it's it, I mean, I'll show you a picture. It looks empty. So I don't know. I just I have the last time I cut an egg, it was it was going to be dead but it was still disheartening you know what i mean yeah um here everyone can tell me how much of a wuss i am i don't know see i had some though like some of the baird's eggs they were super late term and i would candle them and i could see like they would they would look empty but okay. There was there was a straight up baby in there. So you think it's just the 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 baby's so translucent? That, I think uh... it's possible because when I so when I had that other that head hypo clutch of Baird's, I had that one that was like the other one had pipped, and so I cut the other one, and the other one was still like 
very late term, but was still pink, like hadn't developed any pigment or anything. And we're talking like day 65, I think. And it was, yeah. it was just not developed at the same rate as the other one. It ended up not making it, but yeah, like that would be the thing. Cause like I'd see veins and when I candled it, it would look like there was nothing in there. Like the whole egg like lit up and I'm like, it's day 56. If there's a full term snake in here, you would think that it would the same yeah. thing. Like it would be completely black and it wasn't. So I don't know, man. I don't. I'm also not using like an egg candling light. I'm using my, my pocket light and it's way more powerful than it needs to be. I don't know if you could see, like I was kind of covering yeah. the light with yeah. my hand a little bit. Um, it's but it's just like blind. <clears throat> right. But I was just thinking like every gecko I've ever candled did not look like that at all. Mm hmm. You know, um, and I didn't that that last one that was stillborn. I didn't candle it, so I, I hindsight I should have because it was from the same pairing. And uh, this pairing are uh, the male I've had uh, eggs from, but the female I've not. So you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, different pairing. So who knows if it's like got some kind of light pattern, or maybe it just needs a longer time to cook. I also did this one a little slow and cool, so. I figured by this point I would have seen something, but maybe I should just wait till 70, maybe check it in a week. I don't know. I'd definitely hold off on cutting it. Yeah. <laughs> Bill Bradley says, leave it alone. Don't cut it early on the only leucistic ever. <laughs> right. That would be crazy. Oh man. Watch it come out. Leucistic and blind. Horrible. Oh geez. Knock on wood. Oh, but, uh, but yeah, man, everything else is uh, going good. The baby Woma's eating like a champ. I was actually going to take her out tonight and like take some more pictures of her because um, I think she's going to her first shed for me. And uh, dude, she's still full like from Wednesday. And I was like, oh, I guess I gave her too big of a meal. But dude, she's chilling. So I'm happy about that. And uh, Outer Banks King babies I got from Doc Loafman. They're doing freaking stellar. The male already shed. Nice. So uh, yeah, man, they just eat. So. Yeah, that's about it on my front. The uh, so I I need to probe my southern pine, which I believe to be a female because the same person I got her from had another clutch, and they're all males. So he's like, "If you want a male, let me know." And I said, "Well, I gotta let me probe the one I got from you last year and verify that it is a female." And of course, I fed her yesterday, and I, I completely forgot. And so when I was on the phone with him, I was I hung up. And I was like, "Yeah, I'll probe her tonight and check." And then I was like, "Oh, wait a second. I should probably wait a few days because I gave her a pretty decent sized mouse." So, all right. Um, other than that, I mean, stuff in quarantine from Daytona is doing really good. No issues or any signs of anything nefarious. Um. All the corns from Chris are doing really well. I gave so Justin Olson, he was over. Uh, his daughter, you know, she's into snakes and stuff because he is too. He's got a lot of condos and stuff. Cool. Uh, his daughter's like, Do you have any corn snakes? I was like, Hell yeah, I do, girl. <laughs> do I have corn snakes? She's like, Can we get says. one? And I was like, Yep. Took one of the het ghost testers. I was like, Here you go. <laughs> nice. Nice. <laughs> He's like, That's awesome. I was like, Yeah, dude. I was like, See, I guess like a, a positivity rant for a half a second. Do it. Do I've it. had so many people help me out and hook me up. And this is what I told 
wholesome because I was like, dude, I don't like. I like hooking people up. I like doing that stuff. Like I've probably given away more snakes than I've sold, which is bad for business. Uh, but I've had so many people, Doc Loafman, um, plenty of other people that have just that have hooked me up with stuff, and so I I feel it necessary to sort of like pay it forward. Casey's yeah. one of those people. Casey's surprised me with with gifts. Yeah, yeah has. Has. <laughs> the feet picks can stop though. I'm good. I'm good on. Listen, those. I mean, you know, when I've got to compete with Jake's toes, I just. There's no, com- there's, no there's, there's no competing with those bad boys. Especially when like me and Jake are on like the exact opposite end of the of the toe spectrum. I've got like little bitty, like almost non-existent tips. And Jake has fingers. dainty nubbins. <laughs> Casey Ken, his dainty nubbins. Casey's feet looks like a hippo. <laughs> they really do. I'm trying to get in with this rocking chair Casey's got. Grandma's old rock. It's, it's the classic rocking chair. I've got the I've got the globe somewhere. That's the oh, kind of thing excellent. I would expect to see the Annabelle doll in rock yes, in the middle of the, the night. Globe. You can't have Casey on snakes and stogies without the globe. Yeah, so I'll uh, put it back over here so like maybe it can slightly be seen when I move. <laughs> Just randomly lift it from time to time. That's right. It's still here. <laughs> yeah, that's good, yeah. man. So yes, yeah, so you gave him a corn, Justin, and I did, and I just, you know, I told him. He's like, "What do you want for?" I was like, "Nothing, man." I was like, "She's excited about corn snakes." Like, I, good, I gotta encourage that and be a bad influence and like give her one. Hell yeah, dude! Hell yeah! So, she was all excited, and uh, you know, Olson was like, "Oh man, these!" I, he, he saw the rhino rats. And he texted me like the next morning. He's like, "Man, I'm obsessed with them." And I was like, <laughs> "Whenever I get some, man, I got you." It's okay, good. speaking of rhino rats, Billy Hunt sent me a video, maybe this, was it, I don't know if it was this morning or yesterday, he sent it to Phil too. It was of uh, Dave Kaufman up in Canada looking at this quote-unquote azanthic, like, freaking sky aquamarine blue rhino rat snake, and it was a huge adult. Wow. I didn't watch it. I just got the link. I was at work, though. Yeah, it was gorgeous. It was, it was big, too. I mean, it's I've only seen like sub adult rhino rats. I've never seen an adult rhino rat snake before, but this was a lot bigger than I thought that they got. Hmm. And it was like, like this, this kind of blue. I think I've seen, I think I saw pictures of that one. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, talking to, to Matt most and, and Bobby Pebbles, uh, you know the whole blue line rhino thing is it's they're kind of skeptical it's not like barons they're yeah they're they're yeah. sort of skeptical of it being like a legitimate line and like with a lot of condors and stuff people post them online and the pictures are edited slightly where the saturation is just cranked up just a tad and um I don't know playing I mean, with this one in a video yeah like, I, I mean can, that's, I that's, can totally see that but it's this not that a video with show lighting like they definitely sort of exist. I don't think it's necessarily like a a hard and true line because I mean one of my males he's definitely on the bluer side, but I don't know that I'd necessarily call him blue. Um, like I said, they do exist, but I think I don't know. I'm like 
I don't entirely disagree with with Matt and Rob on that that whole aspect of it. And I mean, granted, Rob especially, like he's seen more rhino rats than I ever have. So, yeah, I don't know. I kind of trust the guy that has the uh, rhinorats.com domain. Like, like <laughs> fair enough. It's kind of yeah. hard to argue with that one, but uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's there's a lot of variation in them, though. I mean, I have like my other male. He's much more of like a, a lighter, not necessarily lime green, but more of a, a leafy sort of foresty green, not not a deeper green with the blue. But um, my other male and my female is like kind of in between. Like she's not super dark and on the bluer side like the other male, and she's not as light like the like the smaller male. You know, so I I don't know, but. Regardless, they're they're pretty. Yeah, they're awesome. Absolutely awesome. I make it a mission to mess with Billy's every time we go over there. Just, you got dude, it. they're so much you have fun. To. They look great. You have to, yeah. Like I told yeah. Olsen, I was like, dude, like my kid can reach in here and grab one of these and I don't have to worry about it doing anything like spazzing out and taking off or like biting at her or anything like that. I was like, they are the chillest snakes and they're just, they just hang out, you know? Yeah, I think uh, <clears throat> I think last time that Casey and I were over Billy's house, uh, Skyler was there, and Skyler's taller than Casey and I. He's, he's uh, is he taller than Billy? I don't think most people are. Well, you know what I mean. But <laughs> he's got the rhino in his hand, and like they, it starts to periscope up, and you could tell it's like curious of the light on the ceiling fan. And as it's going up, he's lowering his hand down, and dude, I swear that snake used. 80% of his yep. body to just stand straight up. So cool, man. So cool. Yeah. It's well, they're odd too because like they're super are not super arboreal, but they definitely spend a lot of just as much time off the ground as they do on. And then they spend a ton of time in their water bowl. So they're like, yeah, they're just, they're, they're, they're bizarre, man. They're, they're fully deserving of their own genus. I think just on so many levels, I don't, but um, that's what Olsen said, too. He's like, dude, he's like, these things are really, like, tuned in. Like, they're they're checking you out. Like, you can see them sort of, like, moving around, investigating, and just, I don't know. They're, they're, they're cool. And then Bill brings up a good point. He said, potential for it to be a normal blue animal, then hormonal change of crazy blues, then back to normal. Oh, yeah. uh, which I Very think is possible. entirely possible, because you've seen, and I guess this is, this is say, like, semi-revelant, but... Uh, like when green, like rough green snakes, when you find rough green snakes and they die, they turn blue. So I've actually been told thing. why that is. Where uh, xanthophores, the uh, the yellow pigment, they break down very very quickly after death. Yeah. So they're uh, they're like a hormone that has to be replenished all the time. So once they get hit by a car, because I've never seen a, a rough green snake alive. Every green, rough green snake I've ever seen has been dead on the side of the road. Really. Mm. Yeah, yeah I've shame, never seen man. a live one. That's depressing. That's a shame, cool. yeah, man. They're awesome. They are, and, every, and the couple times I've been down with Bill, he's like, "Oh yeah, no, we just gotta shine a shine a light along the side." <sighs> yeah, I haven't I seen know. one yet. I'm waiting. It, if it makes if it makes you feel better, that one spot I brought you to, I haven't seen one there since. So I'm wondering if they either changed the uh, owls ate them because there was a gajillion owls <laughs> out there, or it's it's the agricultural runoff with combination of people taking them. So yeah. Well, yeah. also, I mean, they're insect eaters too. So I don't know if they spray pesticides and stuff around there a lot, but that yeah. would be a big. That would be a. My would be my first pick for reasons you would stop seeing rough greens in an area. Yeah. As, they also uh, they live in the Brazilian pepper, which is invasive, and I know a lot of the farmers they will spray a uh, 
I don't want to call it a pesticide because it, it's a plant killer that kills the the tree. And I'm wondering if that is not doing as good a job killing the tree, but it's definitely killing everything else. So who knows? Yeah, I mean, that's what, um, I mean, you listen to like the old people around where I'm from. They're like, oh, yeah, no, we used to see green snakes all the time. Yeah. And I've never seen one. I told them that. They're like, yeah, I don't know. My guess is it's a pesticide thing. You know, yeah. they eat bugs. They got sprayed with pesticides and they just die. Makes sense. Did I ever tell you guys about my West African green mamba that was blue? Yeah. 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 Total hormonal. Yeah. <laughs> the, the minute I took his girlfriend away, green. <laughs> well, and it would be interesting, too, if that was a trend you noticed in a lot of herps across the board that are that are more of a bluish color overall um what did uh you know temperature dependent maybe the sex thing kind of makes sense because like my bluer rhino is a male and if it is like like a hormonal thing then that would that would make sense because it's getting to the age where it's it's um, probably breed ready, but and then when you have hormonal blue chondros that are like really blue, like crazy blue, that's always the females, right? Yes, as far as I know, right? Yeah, it, it's I don't I don't think it's impossible with male chondros, but I think you definitely see it more in female chondros, and it I think it's typically older ones too. It's not younger females; it's typically older, more mature. Uh, Like up there, up there in age. Cougar chondros. Cougar chondros. But I've talked to Andy, and from what Andy has told me, the like true blue line chondros, it's almost impossible to get a girl mm-hmm. of those. You know, boys, it's a it's a crapshoot. But you're almost you're almost never going to see a female chondro turn like we'll call it a genetic blue, right? Mm-hmm. But the males will. And it's really weird where the females will turn hormonal blue after they lay a clutch of eggs or they just get old. Yeah. Very and I know um, uh, menopause. What? Menopause. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's what um, Gary Shavino's shown with some of his old basins, too. They turn like a really cool, like aqua bluish color. Yeah. That's when really, they get old, they get that really dark green and then sort of the, the bluish sides that kind of fades down a little bit. Yeah, he showed pictures of ones that were like 17, and they were, yeah, they were really, really cool looking. But I, I wonder if that sort of playing on that, if that's those, that certain pigment not being rep, like reproduced as often as it should be because they're getting older, their body's not producing it as much, and so they're getting more of that bluer color. Right, and it may be diet too, because I know that um, there's a couple of green insectivore lizards who are it's really common to see them blue in captivity mm-hmm. because they don't eat uh, insects with yellow pigment. Oh, is that collared collared lizards? Uh, maybe. Bernie Graminia. I, I don't yeah. know about Gr- yeah. yeah, it, it yeah. might happen in Graminia. I know well, it I also thought... happens in uh, casque-headed iguanas. I thought Graminia mm-hmm. was more of a UV-related thing. Well, I know that from people that have found copious amounts of Graminia in the wild, they've never seen a blue one in the wild. But I guess like a third of the ones in captivity turn blue. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, may it could be it could be a different wavelength of light. Like we're giving them, you know, the standard 
you know, 5.0 jungle UVB, whatever. And meanwhile, they needed to be filtered through a particular kind of cloud or you know, in terms of. Or they're used to eating yellow beetles spectrum. or yellow butterflies. Yeah, exactly. Then. Yeah. Yeah. Bill, Bill saying abronia is lighting. Yeah. I'm pretty sure as I was reading somewhere about the amount of moisture in the air because it's perpetually overcast or whatever. Again, I've never been there. So who am I to say, but I guess the, the overcast level of humidity in the air filters out a particular spectrum of UV. And when you, it's the same amount of UV that we're giving them in captivity, but when they have in the wild, they don't have that one wavelength. So in, in right, captivity, right. they turn green or they turn blue. Excuse me. Are they a more Highland species too? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cloud forest. Cause I mean, that makes a really big difference, especially when you're that close to the equator. Yeah. So I don't know. That's a weird thing where, uh, you know, way high up, it may be colder, but the UV is so much stronger up there. Yeah. Cause there's less, there's less atmosphere to filter it. Yeah. Super interesting. Somebody's got to do a study on that. Bill said, we know chromatophores travel with other cells in development, possibly with uh, xanthophores working in concert with sex cells or hormonal cells seeking like something that's worth studying in universities. Yeah. Same reason why flamingos are pink. Their diet. Yeah. Yep. Huh. Yeah. Animal colors are weird. Yeah, man. Yeah. Are you oh. are you prepping for Tinley there, Cannon? Um not to be uh not to bring the air of the show down. I have got like a fifty fifty shot where I might not be able to go to Tinley. Ooh. Uh I'm having a current family emergency right now where uh I may be going to a funeral this weekend or the one after. So uh mm. yeah. Play it by ear, man. Play it yeah, by ear. I got to. Yeah. Hope for the best, prepare for the worst. So, so I mean, I'm, I'm ex- I would still like to go to Tenley. I'm still excited for it. It's just, it may or may not happen. I'd say there's like a 30% chance I won't. Okay. Mm. Well, on a lighter note, <laughs> I got my first batch of predatory mites. Oh, okay. Yes. So have you, you, can you speak to their results yet? Well, see, here's the problem. I, before I bought them, I panicked and I frontlined everything. Now I did not frontline everything the way I'm supposed to. I did it a half-assed way because I knew that the mites were going to take a week to get to me. And it like said it on the website, like, you know, please expect seven to 10 days for it to arrive because we have to wait for weather and whatever else. And, I was like, all right, cool. So I said, you know what? Let me do. I removed the animals from their enclosure. I squirted some frontline on my hand, wiped it on like the back two thirds of the animal, bagged them, spritzed down the enclosure, their vision cages, spritzed down the enclosures with all the substrate in there, left the glass doors open so it could ventilate. And then I went to work for the day, came back, took the snakes out of the bags, still had mites on them put them back in their enclosures because I knew it didn't smell like, you know, frontline anymore. Um, And then I monitored it. Well, that night that I put them back, I ordered the mites. They arrived less than 18 hours later. So apparently maybe the website was, had old literature on it or something, but like they got to me. Are they, are they close? Like, 
California. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, yeah. I was expecting to be like, oh, yeah, no, they're actually in Miami. And the website was just. Yeah. I, I wonder yeah. if, like, because of the time change, if I, because I think I, I can't remember when I ordered my order, like, right when I got home from work, like, say, 6 30, 7 o'clock. I'm wondering if they got it out in the mail because they're three or four hours behind. However, mm-hmm. I don't know the time difference. Three. Three. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm wondering if I just got lucky that way. Well, anyway, so I got them, and uh, we're gonna see what happens. So I've already, I, I've only seen like one or two mites on a snake. On the, there's two snakes that got affected. Um, that I've only seen the two. So I actually used half of the jar that I bought because once I really see what's going on, like you know how many are supposed to like come in a jar so you buy them by the thousands count so the smallest jar i i don't know man but the smallest one yeah i mean if you're if you pour it in your hand you can see them yeah but i got 12,000 i think 12,000 and it came in like a a slightly larger than a red bull like like the big red bull can like the 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 next size another giant one the the mid-sized red bull can it's about that um and uh so we'll see what happens but come i want to get through this hurricane get through this week and then maybe the end of this week i'm just gonna put them in every enclosure screw it and the ones i got is actually a blend of like three or four different species so i think two i I gotta remember the, the scientific names but i think two of the species will eat snake mites the other ones they eat like they eat like uh small um uh, like gnat larvae and stuff like that because it's meant for horticulture you know it's meant for for people growing vegetables gotcha. and stuff. um so but we'll see what happens so i'm, I'm excited if I'm, it works I'm like, then I'm, I'm, hell yeah we need to talk to him because i'm i have questions like <laughs> a, I know, right? how do you how do you produce them how the hell do you count them and then like just well i think how does it all is, work I think they have it all by weight. So the substrate that they come in kind of looks like vermiculite. Obviously it's not, but it, 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 it looks like that. I imagine that they have a head count in terms of weight, whether it be an ounce or whatever. And they know that yeah, okay, there's like there's, an approximate number. In that. Right. Like we, we know there's approximately 150 in, in one ounce of dirt or whatever. So if they give me, you know, 12, ounces you know do the math so i mean that's how that's how i'm I'm guessing that's how they do it but what i was trying to find is and i have to go down some some taxonomic rabbit holes is the species of mites that they use in europe they don't talk about on any of the websites because they don't want people to circumvent the businesses you see what i'm saying What, what what do you mean by that okay so like if i have if i'm if I'm breeding Casey mites, right, and I want people to buy my Casey's mites, well, I don't call them Casey Cannon. I don't call them Casey Cannon. I species mites. I call them Phil's magical mites, mm-hmm. right? So when you, every time you go, you don't know what to Google. You don't know what to look up. You don't know the species of the actual arthropod. So I was trying to find the species because I can't get them from Europe because they won't import them because of agricultural reasons and FDA and all that. So I was trying to find which species it was to see if I could buy them stateside. Well, apparently there's different nomenclature. And I guess one of the species that they use in Europe is the old taxa. 
and the one that they sell in the United States is the new taxa, and it's the same species. So I got to go down. I got to go down the rabbit hole more, but it's looking promising. Hmm. Further so, proof that taxonomy is fake, right? Don't don't start, Cannon. Don't <laughs> I'm start. Just kidding, man. <laughs> don't piss in my Cheerios, old man. <laughs> but I will say this though: uh, very interesting to see animals that were nowhere near in shed, and now they are instantly blue because they're like i gotta get these fucking things off me so it's good to good to see that you know yeah i haven't seen snake mites well with one exception um <laughs> and it was some stuff that was coming in that was going to billy and i was able just to separate like i kept in my parents house like they never went into my snake room yeah i haven't seen a snake mite in a really long time um yeah, and, and dude i've been rodent really, mites, really good though, i have seen yeah you had mentioned that you know working in a couple rodent rooms that you were working in um I was really, really good about it for whew, a long time. In fact, I didn't have mites for like 12 or 13 years. And then I just got them. I mean, who knows what doorknob I touched, what what pet shop I walked in, you know? So roll with the punches, you know? I've been checking. You got bites on and off like the entire time you and I have been talking. I know. I know. And that's what's crazy is it it, it started from and I know where I know where it came from, but it started from uh, Poplin carpets that I had in quarantine that just could not shake them. It just couldn't shake them. It would go six months with nothing, and then bam, they get them again. And it was just them in my quarantine. So I had those carpets in quarantine for almost two years. I never got them out of quarantine because every ninety days they'd get mites, or every you know four or five months they'd get mites. How and often were you treating them? I was doing it. Uh, I was doing my old mix before I got frontline, and it was a treatment every three days for like almost two weeks. But I realized what it was is it was the carpet. The, the yeah, ra- that the makes sense. rack was on carpet, and they're in the carpet. So I hosed the carpet with frontline, and I have never seen them yet. Yeah, they like uh, they like nooks and crannies and dark spaces and stuff. So usually, if I have stuff in a rack and I, you know, for whatever, I haven't had mites in a hot minute. But when I see them, usually I'll go ahead and like wipe the rack down as well with some front line because they really just need to come in contact with it for it to to do its job. Yeah. So anything or like around that area, around that rack, even at like the base of it, sort of similar on the floor, you know, it doesn't hurt to to spray a little bit. But yeah, yeah, when they they're they're easy to take care of if you catch them early, but man, when you get like an entire rack that's full of them, it's it's a nightmare, yeah. you know, because it's the chances of you getting all of them quickly is is pretty slim. You know, you're gonna continue to have to to treat and treat and treat until until yep. you know they're all gone. But Alan Stevens said he tried predatory mites and they didn't work for him at all. I would be curious as to know which ones he tried so that we can compare and contrast. So. Are you going to put all of them, the ones that you bought? In, like, how do you keep, if you don't use them all, how do you, do they just stay? Yeah, whatever basically, they, they said that they can live in the container. It said two to three days between 50 and 60 degrees Fahrenheit. And I was like, that doesn't make sense at all. So I imagine that I, I'd like to assume that they're going to tr- start eating each other or whatever is in there for them to stay alive. Um, and if they're dead in a week, they're dead in a week. I'll just buy more. Whatever. They were like were 20 they expensive? bucks. Oh, no, okay. it was like it was like 20, 30 bucks, I think, something like that. That's not bad. Yeah. I mean, again, we're experimenting. Um, 
but I've been checking everything to make sure that I wasn't cross contaminating on accident. And it looks like everything's doing good so far. So we'll just I'll keep tabs on it and go from there. Roll with the punches, you know? Yeah. So, I heard I recently have, they've actually, um, the company that make frontline doesn't make frontline anymore. Yeah. And I was going to ask if anybody had any word on that. And what, what was, is there like a replacement or? Oh yeah. There's a generic. Yeah. There's a yeah, generic. But, that's but so, why would a company that large? Cause it doesn't work on fleas and ticks anymore. Yeah, people aren't using the spray. They're using the pills and stuff. There's a much easier way to, to treat your, your pets for that stuff. Right. Now. I mean, I don't use Frontline with a dog. I use Perfecto, you know? Yeah. Um, but I did. So I ended up going on Amazon to find, A, a cheaper alternative that has the same ingredients. Um, but also, let me see if I can pull it up. Because I did find another brand that's like $20 for a bottle, and it's the exact same ingredients. Because... I was tired of forking over like $35 for a tiny bottle of Frontline, which did last a while, yeah. but still. Yeah. I mean, in theory, you should not need it, you know? So. Yeah. Well, me and Jake ended up ping-ponging a bottle back and forth for like a uh, year. We'd get new yeah. stuff, and I'd be like, you got the bottle? And he'd bring it over, yeah. and then he'd get something new, and he'd bought it for me, and... Well, it's like that red Amazon that I bought Billy. Uh, that thing was fresh off the boat, and when I was, I was holding it, and I didn't see anything on it, you know. And uh, what I wound up doing is when I put it in quarantine, I put it in a, a container store tub. And uh, I put two full squirts of just raw front line in the bottom of the tub. And then I folded a PP pad so that there was the cottony part on the top and bottom so that it would soak up some of that front line. It wouldn't just be like, you know, the liquid at the bottom. And 24 hours later, there was five dead ticks in there that fell off the snake. I was like, wow, that worked so like, not mites, like ticks. Actual, t I mean, they were very small. They were clearly a snake species of some kind, but uh, but yeah, actual ticks. Yeah, actually, I actually have pictures, I think. Huh. Yeah, let me try and find that. Because I know there's some guys that at this point, I think it's just got to be stubbornness. They're like, look, this like frontline spray is bad for snakes. It's untested, it's unproven. I'm like, man, at this point, bullshit. Bullshit. I proved yeah. that it works like, really well. There's so much evidence that it doesn't kill snakes because everyone uses it. Oh, I see them. Yeah. Paper. It's a hell of a lot better than the uh, I the Nick shit. Huh. So, I mean, it, it worked for the ticks. So, and I asked Billy about it. I was like, hey, man, did any more ticks or, or mites or anything fall off that snake? He said, no, nothing. So, that, that one treatment just did it, you know? Yeah, yeah. Because I would have heard, um, you know, it depends on the species, of course, but I've heard some of the old school blood python guys, when they would get shipments of like subital bloods or baby bloods, they'd just be like, yeah, we just, we treated them for mites by putting them in Dawn dish soap water in a warmish room for like two weeks. And it's a swamp snake, so like staying in water is not going to kill them. Yeah. But... You know, that's a, that's definitely a species specific. Your results may vary kind of thing. Yeah, I don't exactly. recommend doing that to a species that's not a swamp snake. Yeah. I also imagine that there was good ventilation. And I also imagine that they were extremely hydrated beforehand because, you know, you don't want something fresh off the boat. That's super dehydrated. Just drinking soap, you know? <laughs> yeah. Which I mean, you can get soapy water. That's, you know, this was is that the word viscous enough that yeah. it will yeah. slip off. But it's yeah. not such a high concentration, I'll kill it because I don't think Don dish soap is particularly toxic. 
No, I don't think it's toxic at all. That's why they use it on like the oil if, spills if and the they birds. You can save stuff. baby ducks with it. You can yeah, exactly. It. You can save a baby blood python with it. Yeah, right. I'm trying to figure out what brand it for some reason I didn't save it on my wish list like an idiot. Yeah, you'll come across it two in the morning and post it. Yep. Yeah. But it so was Phil, the you guys talk about the, the hurricane stuff coming your way yet? What's that? The the hurricane. Is that was that in like the discussion before I got here or uh briefly. Yeah. It okay. looks like um it looks like uh, the keys and like Collier County, Southwest Florida is going to get thwacked on Wednesday, and then it's just going right into Billy. And uh, and then f- they don't know if it's going to go and hit Tampa and then just skirt, you know, northeast across the state, or if it's going to hug the coastline and head up to the panhandle. They really don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, it looks like I'm out of the cone of uncertainty, but that doesn't mean I'm not going to have 40 50 mile an hour winds and horrible horrible weather so i'm uh i'm waiting until last minute to bag stuff because it is a daunting task and i don't want to do it unless i absolutely have to um so i think once tomorrow today's monday tomorrow's tuesday so depending on what noah says by tomorrow afternoon, I'll probably come home from work and just bag stuff, or I may just, uh, you know, kind of board up the window if that sounds shady. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, leave stuff in their enclosures. I, I don't know yet. I got to make an educated decision tomorrow night. So. Yeah, because I haven't really been looking at it too much. I was gonna text Billy and see, like, hey, with the fire department, like, what do you guys do with all this? Like, yeah, that's gonna be hard for him. What? Well, he was he was telling me that he was telling me last night that. Uh, he worked a shift before last, I guess, or no, he worked last night. So today he was basically battening down the hatches, bringing all the plants inside, you know, stripping down the greenhouse, all that stuff. And then as far as snakes go, he was just going to maybe throw a couple, throw a couple things together because of the low pressure and just Why not? ride it out. Um, as far as I know, he's on call for whatever, but I think they're not allowed to drive after so many mile per hour winds so Mm -hmm. as long as the winds are low enough then he has to go to work so yeah because i was i was curious about like somebody who was going to have to be out be a first responder and have to deal with okay there's also a snake collection in my house so yeah yeah you know i i'm not allowed to be at my house when the hurricane hits so yeah yeah i I always wanted to talk about like what his protocols were for that yeah, I, I really didn't go in depth with him about it because I'm I'm sure he has I'm sure he has a plan. I mean, he's very very conscientious about that. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm, uh, I'm I'm sure he's taking all the correct precautions and using his noodle. Yeah. Yeah. The um, what was I going to say? It was something about the hurricane. I did find it interesting how. On f- today's Monday, on Friday, everyone down by me was freaking the hell out. All the New Yorkers were, we got to get out of here. We're all going to die. And the Floridians were like, nah, you'll be all right. Meanwhile, they're secretly filling up everything with gasoline and water. Um, I kind of just left it be. What, what I usually do is I like to keep my tank full just in case. You know, I got a Subaru, so I got about a little under 500 miles to a tank. Um, but. I don't, 
I don't sweat about it because it's it's what it is, man. You know. Listen, well, everybody else is stocking up on water. I've been stocking up on bullets. So who's really going to win in the end? Is it, my it, guess. It, it is funny how you get the like it, you get the phone call. It's like, do you guys have do you guys have bullets? Well, yeah, of course we do. Okay, I need a box. So, like, well, let me get this straight. You needed one box of bullets for this hurricane, just in case. Yeah, you know. What What'd you do with the other bullets from last year's hurricane? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> that That's my question. So, <sighs> but yeah, I'm actually uh, I'm pretty blessed where I live. I'm I'm on a uh, like a pseudo peninsula, and the canals that make up the peninsula are super deep, real real deep. And uh, what they'll do is they'll manage the lock systems around my area so that they're really shallow. So that if we do get heavy rain, the canals can fill up and, you know, prevent a lot of flooding in my area. I'm also lucky that all my power lines, knock on wood, all my power lines are underground. So there's nothing for it to get zapped or or hit or whatever. In fact, the last hurricane that we had here, um, we never lost power. Until three days after the storm, some old woman, some some blue hair, crashed her Lincoln into one of the power boxes and killed the whole neighborhood. <laughs> so, uh, which had nothing to do with her. That could happen anytime. Yeah, ex- exactly, exactly. Yeah, what are the odds, right? So, so we'll yeah, I mean, up where I'm at, um, you know, I'm right off the the Chattahoochee River. So, if the hurricane comes up this way, yeah, um, it can actually cause some pretty significant flooding. All the way up by me. Yeah, I believe it. Yeah, because there's a. It's happened a few times where it's gotten like ridiculously high. We actually thought we were going to lose the uh, the platform we have out by the river. I was going to say you guys have that deck, right? Yeah, we got the deck out there. Um, we came real close to losing it uh, last year, it, which I told my dad when like they he was when they were building it. Like you realize that this is going to be gone in like six years, right? Like you're wasting your time and your money by doing this. Like, oh, no, no. And then twice, it's, it's actually flooded engineer? over the top of it three times. Really? And each time was, uh, and keep in mind, this is in the last, like, 18 months. Um, there's kind of a special ingredient for it to happen. You have to have a lot of water come very quickly and just stay there north of us. So all the water from the mountains will kind of funnel into the river. So it's just, it's, there's that three key ingredients. It's got to be a lot of water happening very quickly over a large area north of us. Okay. And it basically only happens when a hurricane just flews, comes right up through here. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's also probably good that, especially with this particular hurricane, that if it does make its way to your neck of the woods, it's going to be severely downgraded. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So, even if it goes by Smitty's neck of the woods... It'll be severely downgraded. So, I mean, with us, you got to worry about like because a lot of the neighborhoods that where we're from, they they used to be cow pastures, right? So they've yeah. got all the loblolly pines and loblolly pines, loblolly pines. They're uh, a very tall, fast-growing tree, so they're tall with thin root structures, mm-hmm. and they're not very long-lived. So a lot of wind will just knock those things over all the time. So a hurricane comes through up here, you've got like trees just fall on people's houses. Damn. Yep, I know what it's like, man. I know what it's like. So, but uh, we uh, pray for everything to go well and uh, 
especially especially for Billy and Anita. And uh, yes, right in the yeah. right in the eye of it. Quite literally. Oh. Well, <clears throat> we're always talking about um the positive things in our collection. I had something very negative come to me recently. Um, I've been raising up a pair of Telescopus obtusus, the Egyptian cat-eyed snake. And uh, I've been raising them since they were cocktail straws, okay? So you, you can imagine literally a little red cocktail straw and trying to get a pinky in that. Not, not easy, but I, I did it, you know, for uh, over a year now. And the male just dropped dead. And it was, uh-huh. it was, it was a patternless male. And, um, I was trying to figure out why, and, you know, you go through the gauntlet of things in your mind, but at the same time, the snake's only like, I don't know, 12 grams, 15 grams. So like, I'm not doing a necropsy. It's too tiny. And, uh, I'm, t- I'm too heavy handed to, to do that. Um, and, uh, you know, you go through the gauntlet of things in your mind as to what may have caused this random death i mean he's doing good for over a year you know um and then i realized from palpating it that it was uh severely impacted and i imagine that it's from dehydration because they're desert species that's extreme desert and i was keeping them in a rack system and to i have sand in there and some stone and then what i would do is i had the lid of a deli cup and I would spray, I would mist water on the cool side like once a month. And those dew droplets would pool on that plate and kind of make like a half-assed water bowl. And that's what I was doing to keep the humidity down, but still keep them hydrated. And I honestly, I think that just it wasn't enough. And like I, I went up palpating the female and checking her out and she's doing fantastic. So I'm wondering if maybe he just didn't drink when he was supposed to. And it just, he got dried out and dried out and dried out and it could, he got stuffed up, you know, uh, constipated, whatever you want to call it. So I just wanted to share that with everyone and say how it doesn't matter how long you've been doing this, you still can make mistakes. And if you're trying to do something difficult, like keeping a desert species in Iraq with no humidity, have ulterior have ulterior ideas to things like hydration, whether it be soaking the animal, you know, once a week or misting more often or, you know, uh, yeah, humid hide or or white. I've wiped down the insides of the tub with a paper towel, like daily, just to kind of keep some of the moisture out. Um, But just have a plan people. So you don't end up like me, you know, that's all. And it might not have been the humidity. I mean, if it's something that small, it's, You know, yeah. you don't know if it had some kind of a blockage that you just can't see because it's 12 grams or. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So. I mean, at that size, it doesn't take much. Yeah. But it was actually, it was really, it was, it was very, uh, <clears throat> what's the word I'm looking for? It was very apparent at, after it died. Cause I mean, right. I take them out like once a week and like hold them and stuff, you know, just to kind of get them accustomed to me, you know, cause nobody wants a four foot, you know, rear fang getting pissed off at you. So I take them out and work with them a little bit and I never noticed it. I never felt it, you know, and dude, it was there. So, and who knows, he, he could have died of a heart attack for all I know. And just ha- happened to not poop before his heart attack. Who knows? 
So, but just telling people, be mindful. Don't be like Phil. Don't think that everything's great. Don't always, be a always, yeah, always be prepared for the worst. Say no to drugs. Yes, definitely say no to drugs. <laughs> What's that Kenny Powers quote? Just say no to drugs, unless you're doing them with me. <laughs> oh man! So I found I finally found the spray. Oh, good, good. It is Direct Protect Plus uh, for dogs and cats eight weeks and older. It has a red red sprayer. It's on Amazon. It's twenty bucks. Wow! It's and cheap. it has it has the same ingredients as Frontline Spray. It's fipronil at like 0.29 percent so okay haven't tried it out yet it's been on my list for a minute and i need to order some because uh i ran out of frontline spray so okay let us know we'll see yeah i wouldn't mind sitting getting a post up about that so i know where to get it yeah yeah and i mean the trick with any of that stuff is is to to obviously let it let it dry out and air out. I don't really spray the animals directly anymore with it. I know a lot of people that's kind of the opposite of what's been recommended with the frontline spray is to like put on gloves and coat the animal, you know, by coating your hand with the frontline and then letting the animal sort of crawl through your hands. I just do the substrate, which when I'm in quarantine, it's paper towel or puppy pads, depending on what it is. And so I just spray, like I, I go ahead and before I even start putting stuff in tubs and whatnot, I count out how many sheets of paper towel I need. And then I just go through with the spray and just once, you know, one swipe on one side, sometimes I'll hit it, flip it over and do it again, let them completely dry out to where I can't even see like the liquid on them anymore. Cause if it, the, the frontline stuff was like an alcohol based, it was weird. It's like alcohol based, but it's like oily after it's dried. Yeah. So it, it is. Once the alcohol um, evaporates, that's what's left is the oils. Yeah. It dries pretty quick, actually. Um, so after it's dried completely, then I put it in the tub and then I put the animal in. Um, and usually I'll give it probably a day or two before I put a water bowl in there as well. But I think also letting it dry completely. Uh, Cause the fear is, and this is what I, you know, feel uh, t- talking to Phil about it the other day. Like the, the concern is the animal getting covered in that and then climbing in its water bowl or something. And then they end up drinking it. Yeah. And I mean, we're literally putting like a poison in the cage to kill things and, Obviously, I'm sure a, a tiny, minute amount ingested probably isn't a big deal. But if you're talking like small, tiny snakes, that is a big deal because a little amount is now a big amount. And you just, you know, with bigger, like adult animals, I don't worry about it nearly as much. But for like neonates and hatchlings and stuff, I'm definitely much more cautious about, um, you know, the, keeping the water bowl in there. And then I, I usually treat every four days just because of the, the life cycle and stuff of mites. Um you yeah. really have to keep up on it in order to, to curb them. But I haven't seen anything from any of the stuff from Daytona. So I've been so far it's so good. good but. Yeah. I actually, uh, right before I called you all panicked, right? I, I talked to Hendog and Hendog was like, look, man, use the front line, but you got to get them out of the enclosure. And that's why I was like, oh, you know what? I, he's right. Because even though there's good ventilation, snakes can't cough. So mm-hmm. whatever fumes they're getting in, oh, they're staying in there. You know, yeah, and, and that's, that's so strong, yeah. man. Yeah. And so if I could stick my head in the cage and, and I'm choking, I can only imagine what their poor little lung is doing, you mm-hmm. know? So singular lung. <clears throat> I mean, I guess it's for stuff like chondros, it's kind of tougher because they're not really on the the puppy pad. Um, yeah. 
So those you kind of do need to have a little direct contact with some way or another, but unless they're out cruising at night and then they get covered, but things like colubrids and whatnot, like I said, I just, I spray the paper towel and I don't worry about it. And I just treat them again when I, when I clean the paper towel because it's corn snakes and, and birds and stuff, I'm having to do that a lot while I'm changing it out. I'll just hit it again. Sometimes I'll even like pre-make sheets and I'll just keep them in like a Ziploc bag or something. And uh, then they're there and I just have to grab them and, and throw them in. So. Yeah. That's pretty smart. Yeah, you know, very smart. Very because I like I'm very particular about my paper towels. I don't know about y'all, but it's got to be the selector sheet. None of this full size crap. Have you ever I used wanna... mechanic cloth? It's been a long time, dude. I love mechanic cloth. It's but great, it's just so expensive. It is, <laughs> but it's so so soft. It's like if I were a snake, this is what I would want to be in. 100. It's like if it was. It's like Carefresh, but in a paper form. Right. So I have been. After all the talk of pine and like Montrose using pine, some other people using pine, I am now trying pine. I've had a couple animals on it. Haven't had any issues so far. I know quite a few old school guys that exclusively use pine. I'm or like, they use like pine and cocoa mix. I'm like three weeks in. So it's probably a little okay. too early to say for sure. But as of right now, Everything's doing fine. Monster. Next, you know, you're going to be telling us that things will instantly die when you cohab them, or <laughs> you don't have to move them into a new container to feed them. Well, see, all the, okay. all the old, box. like, uh, yeah. YouTube. I don't really, she's tell me not to do this. I don't really understand where the whole sort of pine is bad thing came from. The only thing I can think of is back in the day before we had sort of the, I guess, the technology per se, of how these things are being treated and cured or whatnot, or dried. Uh, like, you got pine, and it was, like, super oily and super gross and caused problems, because it was still covered in sap and, you know, whatever. Yeah. Well, it didn't kindling dry it. I mean, kindling drying's been around forever. It's just, most pine wasn't. Yeah. I don't know, but I got, like, I've been using the Tractor Supply brand pine for my mice forever. And I haven't had any problems with my mice. And that was one of the things, too, where they're like, you shouldn't use pine with rodents because it's, you know, it's bad for them. I've been using it for, like, for, for like what, the two years or whatever that I've been keeping doing oh. mice. Kasiki's uh, been using pine for 25 years. 25 years, Kasiki. That's incredible. Like, it does smell stronger than the Aspen does in terms of, like, when I'm using it for snakes, but... My thing was, is like, if I'm not seeing any signs from the mice as far as like respiratory issues or anything like that, then I would expect to see them from snakes too if it were that bad. So I don't know. I've been trying it. Jake's, he was kind of like, I don't know, man. I'm, I'd be a little nervous about it, but the bricks are huge and they're cheap. Yeah. Seven, seven bucks for a giant brick of that stuff. Yeah. That's real cheap. Real so I made my cypress mulch. Yeah. 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 See, I use cypress for the rhinos. Like, I do have certain things I will use cypress for. But all, like, the rat snakes and corns and stuff, they're either on aspen or the pine now, so. Yeah. I'll tell you what, I'm go I'm going away from fur bark because I've found so many splinters in between pectoral scales. And I'm like, ow, what the hell is that? And I look, and there's a splinter sticking out of the snake's belly. And I'm like, you poor bastard, let me help you. You know, I'm plucking them all out. So uh, I will say I've seen that with skinks too. You have? 
Yeah. Really? Where on, now, on sometimes they'll actually get them infected. On Cyprus. On Cyprus. Yeah. Like a little oh, okay. bit of a shard will get in there, mm-hmm. which is maybe yeah. want to switch over a little bit when I've never seen it on a snake, but I've definitely seen it in uh, the skinks. Well, I notice it most from like I use jungle mix, which is peat, fur, swag, and something else. And um, Cyprus. Probably, probably ground fine Cypress. Well, anyway, I noticed that when I haven't changed it a lot, like I leave it for a long time, the larger particles settle to the top and the dust is on the bottom and it's the dust that has those splinters in it. So I'm probably going to, I, I'm, I've been using Cypress for a little while just because I haven't felt like doing it, but I'm probably going to buy a big bag of, um, uh, jungle mix and i don't know if i'm i don't know if i'm going to use cheesecloth because i think it might be too thick but I'm, i want to try and use some kind of sift you gotta use some kind of uh some kind of screen wire or something like that to do yeah that. yeah like a fine like the like uh, uh almost like um uh the screen they use for uh drainage layer something like that yeah and maybe maybe try and sift some of it and just do it on like one colubrid and just see how it goes <clears throat> yeah i think it could work yeah yeah, I think uh, I'm gonna try it. Can't hurt, right? So, but uh, Casey, how are your Epicrates? My what? what? Your Epicrates. What'd you call me? Oh, those guys. Um, so Epicrates for the Americans. Epicrates. Yeah. Epicrates. Uh, I do like a when the hell did you? Oh better. yeah, yeah. You can do rainbow the, boas. The so I've got a group of rainbow boas right now. That I did not produce them, but uh, a friend of mine that did was like, hey, look, I don't really have the rack space right now. I just had a litter that's bigger than I was expecting. I bought them off of them, so I've been head-starting some uh, rainbow boas for a little while. Hopefully, they'll be ready to go by the time Tinley's rolling around. You but should be head-starting some thorn scrub rat snakes. I'll think about it. I don't know if they're legal for me to have. They sh- they're, they're not native to Georgia. Come on, Casey. I don't know, man. DNR is going to kill me. I don't know. They're not going to kill you. They're from Texas. That's true. Casey, can I share those two photos from earlier? Yes. Okay. Right. So um, anyway, the, the rainbow bows I have, I have two litters, right? One is partially from uh, T-plus albinos. The other is a full, like, het leucistic to leucistic pairing. So I have het leucies and visual leucistics. Apparently, the hetlucistic Colombian rainbow boas have, like, a little bit of a pattern disruption to them. And some of them have this, like, almost Dumerel's boa-esque, like, wannabe, like, full-body dorsal stripe. It looks awesome. Honestly, the they look you had at Daytona the really nice. Too. Well, was that? I don't know. The, the, the Lucy's you had at, at Daytona were pretty nice. Those were albinos, but I did. Have I ever brought Lucy's? Because this is the second or third. This is the second time I've done uh, baby rainbow bows like this. But uh, yeah, Kistic, we... albino, same thing. Tomato, yeah. tomato. They're whitey-ish. But the leucistics are cool because one of they're blue. They're blue or black-eyed leucistics, and every once in a while you get one with one of each color. And I got one this time where it has one blue eye and one black eye. So nice. I think that's pretty cool. That's super cool. You know what you tell a snake with black eyes? A black eye. Nothing. He's ar- nothing. He's already been told once. <laughs> That's the worst dad joke you've said on there. Uh, 
show the other one because this one's like my it just hatched out or just shed because i i've been feeding them all you can zoom oh, in on that that one yours? is probably the most like striking I that was one someone else's and you were sharing it i didn't know that was no yours. damn son it looks like a some sort of retic morph right yeah, right I think it looks way cool. Like even the head stands a little like a little weird on it. Yeah, I think it looks way cooler than a leucistic. And it's definitely got that that ground boa, that doomerol boa look to it, man. Yeah, like um, I was talking to to Patterson this morning, and I showed him a picture of that, thinking like, okay, I hope he thinks this is cool. And he like sent it off to a couple of his friends, like, what the fuck is this thing? Nice. Yeah, great looking animal. Yeah, and then I sent it to Billy, and now, like, of course, Billy's like, okay, now that that's pretty cool, man. <laughs> so now Billy's going to keep it? I don't know. He's got the um, the T-plus albinos that were that's stripey, true. and I tried to tell him, like, look, man, some of these, like, Het Lucy's are way more stripey than the uh, T-plus albinos. See, that's but the I haven't sent them yet. So all the be- stuff that Chris sends me, because Chris sends me stuff, and some of it is like meant to be sold. But then I'm like, how the hell am I supposed to sell this? It's too nice. Like, oh yeah, why? Like, why? Why am I selling this? And so he sends me a box of like 14 snakes, and I'm like, yeah, I'm keeping like ten of them. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny because I was I was breaking Casey and Billy's stones about how they're Colombian. So they're trash. And and then Billy's like, oh, what? Because they're not red. They're not Brazilian. I was like, well, first of all, the Peruvian rainbows are the most attractive rainbow boa of all. But I screwed myself because when I said that, I started going down rabbit holes on my lunch break. And here I am looking at all these different rainbow boas. And now there's I'm a like, lot more than we think there are. And well, not even that. It's just like it's been almost 15 years since I had rainbow boas. And now I'm like, great. Now I'm gonna get rainbow boas. Thanks a lot, Billy and Casey. Well, uh, if you want stripy, stripy Colombian rainbow boas, I uh, I know a guy because I have quite a few of them. <laughs> yeah, it's my only snake tattoo. <laughs> I never got it colored. I gotta get on that. Oh, you do have a rainbow boa tattoo. I forgot about I do. that. I do. So I don't know. Man, I'll, the Peruvian's the same as a damn Brazilian. No, dude. No, they are. Totally There's also the Argentinians. There's an Argentinian. Yeah, the Argentinian uh, rainbow ones boa. look good. Like they look good. I like the um. What's that one? That one city in Peru. It's in the northeast. The like... Iquitos. Is that? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's Dude, where the crazy toast... looking uh, red tail boas come from. Dude, those rainbows that Jacksonville are right on the Brazilian border. Those rainbows are incredible, and especially like the nocturnal coloration because you know how they change like yeah, yeah. Dude, literally the sides are white. The bullseyes are jet black. They still have the iridescence at night. Like, oh, incredible. Incredible. Argentines look like every other Caribbean species of Epicrates. Uh, I think they're a little more colorful. A little more more lilac. The sooner y'all realize Jamaicans are where it's at, the better. Oh no, I've I've I will completely agree with that. Jamaicans are amazing. I don't know. I still, still think I'd take a Peruvian rainbow. Ain't nothing over a Jamaican. Ain't nothing. I would. That... Don't tell Rob Stone. I mean, listen, buddy, you're allowed to be wrong. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I am allowed to be wrong. Thank you, Casey. <laughs> we'll we'll allow it. But it's kind of insane to me how much uh, convergent evolution there is between the Caribbean boas and scrub pythons. Oh, yeah. And we've talked about this a bunch of times. And it's not, well, 
I mean, the Corellis are too, because like Ruckenberger, I look a lot like uh, scrub pythons. Like, look like beluga scrub New pythons. Scrubs. Yep. Yep. But if you look at a picture of a really big Cuban boa next to a, an Australian King Horneye, it takes you a minute to figure out which is which, for me at least. You know, they have yeah, a very, I, like, I think very thick and big body structure like that. If you're staring at the face, obviously. Yeah, like, the, the faces. faces. Yeah, faces. But if you just, like, but, see, like, a loop of snake or, like, a, a band Their pattern snake, is pretty similar, too. I mean, it's not exactly close. the same, but it's it's similar enough that if you, like, do a quick little glance at it, you're like, oh, oh, okay. Let me figure out what this one is. Yeah. And honestly, I've seen some uh, Dominican red mountain boas where, like, at a really quick glance, I thought it was a Brettles. You know they have very they have the very similar uh, banded pattern that. to them. The white with the yeah. black outline. Oh yeah. You know the colors just, usually off a little bit, but the overall like look is right. What was that Justin? I miss Brettles. I don't know. You were pretty uh, pretty quick to get rid of them. I had them for years. Traded his Brettles for Ackies. And you still don't have the damn beauty lizards. Don't even, uh, don't even get me started on that. I'm sorry. Just make me glad I didn't move to South Carolina, though, because that would have been one of the first things I did. If I if I crossed <laughs> the border, I would have, like, that weekend bought <laughs> some heloderma. <laughs> oh. So, and yes, Alan, Ackies do rule. Yeah, you guys, you guys stones. saw that I actually... Had skin I saw. in contact with my female Aki for longer than like two seconds. Yeah, she's some of that was learning. some of the so what the morning before last, before I turned the lights on, I saw her like ass end sticking out from under a rock, and so I was like, okay, let's see what happens. So I lifted the rock and I grabbed her. She didn't like freak out or anything like that, but like I held her and she was kind of like trying to figure out what's going on in the minute. Like just woke up, kind of like oh shit, mm-hmm. and uh. You know, held her for a few minutes. She kind of spazzed a little bit. Didn't didn't particularly care for it, and so I put her back. Good. And yesterday, I went to go feed him because her and the male were were cruising around. Like, up, they'll go to the glass door when I'm in the room, and they'll start like pacing. But as soon as I open it, they're like, "Oh shit!" and disappear. And so then I was like, "Okay, they're hungry." So she came out, and I had uh, like a mealworm on the tongs, and I did my thing where I have them come out on my hand. Yeah. And she did that. But I continued to like make her go farther and farther. And so she ended up running up my arm, onto my shoulder, onto my back, and then came up my neck on the top of my head, jumped, landed on the floor, took like went between the, the <laughs> that stack of cages and a rack. And she found her way to the windowsill there where the window is. She was just like trying to get out from the window. And so after like five minutes of playing the like the the game of tag where like I kind of get her tail, but then she takes off one direction. So I go the other way and she goes the other direction. And she finally started climbing up the back of the rack and she just stopped. And I see her just sitting there staring at me from behind like the post in the rack. <laughs> so I put a mealworm on a tongue again and I was like, here, and she, she grabbed it and she ate it. And then she just continued to sit there and stare at me. I'm like, you motherfucker. So I, I reached <laughs> around and I grabbed her again. And then I held her for a few minutes. She was just kind of like, okay, you got me like just chilling. So, that was my. I was like, "This is what it's. This is what it's like. This is what the people <laughs> that can handle their ackies. This is this is what they get to do." <laughs> You're a Targaryen now. Yeah, 
I don't know. I mean, part of like part of my thinking was like maybe if they realize when I am holding them that I'm not gonna hurt them and I put them back in their cage, like maybe they'll come around. They'll be like, okay, all right. Honestly, I think that first interaction you had, like getting her up and her being like, oh my god, what the hell? And then you just gently put her back, dude. Doing that every day, leaps of difference. Like she was, and it's weird because I've even been sort of feeding them a little more than I than I typically have. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she came screaming out of that cage, man, right up my arm. And then she she stopped on my back and was just chilling there for a second. I think she was just confused as to what the hell was going on. But then I felt her climb up the back of my neck and she got right on top of my head. And then she Jason borned off that thing. And <laughs> nice, nice. And ne- never once tried to bite or twist. No, no. And That's I like good, I had her by the tail a couple times because she'd like try to jump off my hand, and so I'd 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 have her and I'd pick her. But I fully expected her to grab grab me, and she didn't. It was really surprising. It's good. It's real good. So, but then yeah. like as I'm as I'm sitting there holding her, you know, she's staring at me, kind of like, if you're gonna eat me, just do it now. Like, if <laughs> if this is the end, just make it quick, you know. This is the like, end. Like, and the, but I'd like I'd loosen my grip a little bit, so then she kind of. She was like there of her own volition, kind of thing. Yeah. And I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I'm probably giving them way more credit than I mentally I, should. I, dude, I, I think they're pretty smart. Yeah, fathers definitely have a lot going on. Yeah, man, I'm with I'm with Casey on that one. I don't know. I think though, of all sort of like the Odatria, though, I think Aki's are probably more of the no no pun intended, but like the lizard brain. They they seem to be much more. More instinctual than problem solving. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I mean, you see that with I, I can agree with that. They're they're more lizard like than monitor like, for lack of a yeah. better term. Yeah. Well, it's like with birds, you know, some like small parrots are more bird like than they are parrot like yeah. when it comes to intelligence. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Maybe Alan Alan can chime in. I'm sure he would he would agree. He's touched. He's he's had more more time with those than I have by a long shot. I was actually going to say we're not praising them just because he's in the chat. <laughs> I will they say are really this. fun though. Like I am enjoying the hell out of them, man. Like they are. I cannot wait to get them set up in that that four foot. It's good, and to see how they change and what happens. You know how their behavior changes if you know how they do their thing. It's. I prefer Kimberly Rocks. I'm sorry. Those are those are going to happen eventually one day. I don't Dude, know man, when. I'm team but... team Pilbara. Those are nice too. They're cool, but, but they're no Kim Rocks. Oh, come but, on, man. Come okay. on. Okay. I I will say though, I would rather have a big red Australian frilled dragon than any Australian monitor. Nah. I would. Sorry. Yeah, cut, cut his feed. Cut his feed. Yeah. Blasphemy. Get out of here. Yeah, get out of here. Come on. The Australian water dragons are cool too. But man, a big Australia a big red Northern Territory frilled dragon is cooler than any Australian monitor. You have done lost your mind, boy. Yeah, and I am including lace monitors in that. Ugh. I, you know, that's a, that's one that I, I don't really get the lace hype. Like, dude, I like the, the bells the phase, panda really phase cool. or whatever you call that. The the bells phase. That's a cool looking animal, dude. But that would be the coolest like, lizard ever if it only stayed like three foot. <laughs> I don't know. I I I gravitate towards the the small stuff, anyways. So I don't. Well, Imagine I'm, now that I'm thinking about it, the banded lace monitors actually look a little bit better than the, the Bell's phase. The Bell's okay. phase are just unique. I don't know, man. Like, I feel like the, the yeah, it's unique. Yeah, but, but I love, like, really banded stuff. Too. Yeah, agreed. 
Agreed. Dude, everything I got's freaking banned at this point. Oh, I'll take Odatry over over crocodile monitors any day. Agreed. But frill dragons. Hmm. I'd take knobtails over frill dragons. I'd take okay, over, over a lot of I, I I do take knobtails over frill dragons. <laughs> oh man. Well, how's uh Taliquid's doing? <laughs> Casey Cannon's saga with blue tongues. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I am like truly a, it's a hoping. Shakespearean level kind of story. It, it really to... is. It really is. <laughs> it is the Greek tragedy. You you end up getting what you want, and you just. <laughs> <laughs> it's oh, like convincing man. a beautiful woman to marry you when you realize that she's a terrible person. Yep. 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 <laughs> That's a good one. That's a good one. <sighs> yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm. Here you are, the old guy that that uh, Anna Nicole Smith married, thinking you got it made in the shade, and you get to live out the rest of your days in glory, <laughs> only to find out that it's just, it's all, it's all a facade. Oh, <laughs> uh, sorry, Casey. Yeah. Go on, please. <laughs> so. I had one take, guy a, take a deep breath. Take a deep breath. Recently. Um, you have a box of Kleenex nearby. Yeah, I had one die recently. And it died in a horrible way. And an incredibly, like, a really random way, too. Where the enclosures I put up with them, I have radiant heat panels and, like, light bulb uh, setups. But I had to drill a hole, right? Big enough so that the uh, the plug-in for the radiant heat panel, or the, the plug-in for the, uh, the light fixture could fit through it, right? So it's about an inch and a quarter hole like this. And one of the girls somehow managed to shimmy her head through that hole and like put about half of her. So her shoulders went through and her stomach went in and then just all everything just got stuck. Right. And I was gone for a couple of days because I'm in and out of, you know, I'll be here for four or five days out of the week and then I'll be gone for a couple of days. He's like so Carmen I came San back Diego. and uh, yeah, I found her where she was still alive. Just, just barely um, paralyzed from the back half because all the blood had gotten stuck and pulled in the back. So this was at night. I got her out. I put her into, I call it my like medical cage where it's like, it's a, it's a tub in a rack where I just have a towel in there so that I can uh, take the care inf- of whatever needs infirmary. to be taken care of. Yeah, it's like my little infirmary cage. If yeah. something needs to go to the vet, then I'll go to the vet. But I checked on her the next morning, and what had happened was all that blood that must have been in her back half, where she was uh, more or less, well, she was paralyzed, it must have started to clot, and then it worked its way back up through the rest uh, of her body. And she went from being, like, semi-alive to, like, Looked like she had been dead for five days, blo- uh, bloated. In the co- in the case of like like six hours, probably became septic. Yeah, probably. No, I really think it's uh, the thick blood just kind of worked its way through the system once nothing was blocking it, and it just caused everything in her body to rupture. Just massive hemorrhaging. Massive hemorrhaging, hemorrhaging all over the body, but like literally, she yeah. went from being 
like semi alive to like looking like she had been dead for multiple days from the time that I found her to the time I checked on her at like seven thirty in the morning. Like, Damn. yeah. But are they a species that, that looks for nooks and crannies to try and like escape from? So they they've been in these cages for a while and I have never really seen them like messing with that hole at all. I mean, maybe a little bit, but they're also like, I thought the hole was too small, which is famous last words for any, any reptile. Yeah. No, no comment. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, Henry and I had something very, very similar. We had a, uh, 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 Hagen, uh, Hagen's Viper. And, uh, it managed to get its head in between the panes of glass on a vision and it it this is we can only you know we can only imagine that this is what actually happened but from what it looks like she got to the halfway point got stuck and again this it had to have been over the course of maybe a night if that and because i mean people are in that room all the time and she got stuck halfway and forced her way out. So she had like seven or eight, maybe more broken ribs in the middle of her body with bruising. But the rest of the snake was perfectly fine. And we found her in a rack across, like, like across the 90 degree corner of the room in a different rack in between tubs. And uh, uh, obviously it's an escape proof room. It's a venomous room. You know, it was, everything was safe. Um, yeah, and Henry said it wasn't a small Hagen eye either. It was probably like three foot. And uh, dude, I don't know how it. Yeah, I don't know how it got in between. I mean, you think about it; it's literally like maybe mm-hmm. three eighths of an inch, if that. Dude, the Jansen eye has done that yeah. where they wedged themselves between the pane of glass and that that substrate lip. Yeah, and yeah. whatever, whatever. It's one of the. It's like a four foot cage that I think AP made or something. It was Jake's. It's going back to him at some point, but like. I walked in and I saw one of the Jansen. I think it was the male, like wedged between this glass and the bottom thing. And I'm like, I'm was sure he was dead because he was like flat as a pancake. I'm like, what yeah. the hell? And then of course, I walk into the cage and he like tenses up. <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, yeah. son of a bitch. And yeah. fortunately, it's easy enough to just pull that paint out. And he, you know, went back yeah. in. And then he did it again like two days later. And I haven't had an issue since because I, you know, upgraded him to the black box cage. Black box cage. Yeah. But uh, it's amazing. Like the things that they can, yeah. they can squeeze. Reptiles way out love of. to find really stupid ways to die. They really yeah. do. Yeah, and it's not just captive ones either. Because I know um, from like taking apart brick walls or cement walls, or not mm-hmm. cement, like a uh, what do you call the cinder blocks? Cinder yeah, block cinder walls. Block, yeah, you'll find lizards stuck between some really weird cracks sometimes in the wild. Interesting. So yeah, I mean, I know I've looked through. Um, like little brick holes and seeing like you could tell the lizard got stuck like halfway in kind of like what happened to the skink and that's just how it died in the wild shame i mean i i was just like two weeks ago jake was over and i was showing him what was it It was one of the corns or something like that in that same rack that i kept having issues with and things getting out of uh and i went to go open a tub that had a that was supposed to have a corn snake in it and a rhino, one of the rhino rats, one of the small ones that was in that cage, is looking at me from inside that tub. And so I'm like, well, what the hell? And so I look, 
she had and she's been in this tub for weeks if not months like never had any issues i had shims and stuff under it i took them out because she was bigger and i was like i don't think she's going to be able to squeeze her way out famous uh she had wedged herself between her tub crossed over into the next tub over and was like stuck and so i had like of course i was like freaking out because i'm like great this thing just killed itself and i had you know pulled out all the tubs and i like physically pushed up on that that shelf to get more space and i finally got her out and i mean i had to like pull the the tub out with her in between it and she kind of you know rolled a little bit and she's fine thank god but yeah after that like that was the point where i was like fuck this rack i'm done with it i pulled everything out the next day and i I had another smaller, like white one that my dad made that the tubs like really don't move well, but they're solid. Like they're in there. Yeah. And so I moved some, some stuff like there's nothing but those thorn scrubs and bears in there right now. But that was like, that was it. Like at that point I was so fed up and I should have been fed up with it a long time ago, but. Well, who is it recently? That. Was it, was it Dr. Lopeman who just had a king snake get loose and it ate other rack mates? He thought it did, but it actually was able to... It was a king snake that got into a tub that held some Madagascan tree boas or something. Or tree, cat, cat snakes. Cat, cat snakes, yeah. Cat snakes, okay. Mm-hmm. So it got in there, and he thought that they, the king snake had eaten the cat-eyed snake, and it turns out that when it had gotten, like, the tub opened somehow, the king snake went in and it scared the uh, cat-eyed snake out. Oh, so, so the cat-eyed snake's found... still alive. Oh, good. Excellent. Awesome. That's awesome. Didn't he think that it ate the male king? Wasn't there a male king within or something? I don't I don't know, but that whole I know there was something he thought something got eaten and then he found it later. Yeah. So yeah, I don't I think, know if he thought two of them snake. got eaten or one of them got eaten. Yeah, I think it was the Malagasy cat eye. Once again, Methropeltis ain't no fun. Dude, I was just telling Billy the friggin' goin eye that I got from him is a psychopath. I mean, out of the cage, totally fine. Harmless, friendly, play with it. Dude, it's the most food-aggressive snake. It's the most food-obsessed snake I've ever seen in my entire life. You know the little ribbing of the lid of a of a Starlight container or like a, 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 a container store container? Yeah, you know, yeah. It has like, it has like a, a spine that goes in like a lattice pattern on the lid for integrity. This king snake bit that that little lip of the tub because he was trying to bite my finger, and you could see him like flexing, trying to wrap the lid of the tub, which clearly he can't do. It's physically impossible. So you see him like twitching and flexing, you know. And then finally he let go and kind of looked at it and was like, "All right, I tried," and then <laughs> went back in the aspen. It's not <laughs> alive. Methropeltis, baby. I love it. Absolutely love it. I'm so happy I got back in the King Snake game. I've never had a King Snake before. Oh, oh, poor Georgian boy. If you're going to do any of them, it needs to be Alterna or Therai. Therai. Therai were the ones I would do. I've almost gotten Therai a couple times. You sh- dude, they're f- those are really fun. Like, those I really did enjoy. I don't know what it is, but, like, the Texas Kings aren't nearly as nutty as your Callies and your East Coast stuff, except for Desert Kings. Those are kind of – those sort of ride ride both camps. But Yeah. I mean, I've thought about California King Snakes, too, because I think that they're one of the prettiest snakes in the world. Dude, they are, and I know – 
we have several friends that have soft spots for Cali Kings, but I've just been bit too many times. Just, I've just been bit too many times. I'm done. But they're they're pretty. I mean, I love anything they're black gorgeous. and white. Yeah, but you like the chocolate ones. Oh no, I'll, I'll take a black and I want one that's fifty yeah, fifty ones do black and white. They're one. Really? They're one snake where I've got to say that there is nothing prettier than like a really well refined wild type. I can yeah. look at the dorsal stripe ones. They're not as pretty as the 50-50 black and whites. The chocolates, not as pretty. The albinos, not as pretty. I'm going to find a picture of one of the ones I had from back in the day that is I regret giving it to a friend um, because I've yet to find one like this. I really feel like this was just a straight-up anomaly. Um, it was given to me from my late mentor. He bought like four or five uh, striped I guess it was, what did he call them? It was, it was dorsal striped cow kings. And he's like, here, this is an extra male. Do you want it? And I said, of course I do. And uh, I went up giving it away. Let me find this picture. Where the hell is this? Those Edisto Island Easterns are pretty nice too. Okay. But you know what? I, I really like, so I like the Thayeri and I like the Cali Kings. I really like the granite Mex Mex too. Granite Magmax is pretty cool. Pretty cool. Because I've talked to Chris about those a couple times. Yeah. So that's a pretty confusing group, though. Like, if you're not, if you don't really stay sort of like, if you don't read up on them, it can be pretty confusing in terms of. It changes all the time, right? Like, we're yeah. still not sure how they. Nah, like, you'd have to ask work. Chris. I'm honestly, not sure. So check out this cow king. How cool is oh, that? Oh, that's weird. That's neat. How awesome is that? Is that, that a snake, tessera? That snake would make Billy Hunt proud. At least 50% of it would make him proud. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah, but I like the other 50% of it. Or I like the other like quarter of it. Yeah. And dude, I love how the tail, like it just kind of goes aberrant, you know? And it's so weird that the stripe just stops. Yeah, that's what I like about it. I like how it stops yeah. and then it starts again. Yeah, man. That picture is from 2006. Damn. Yep. You old. On my OG my OG flip phone from LG. I had a sidekick once and I thought it was the coolest thing, except the problem was is I had had it like 10 years after they were cool. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. And those things were like, it, it was not nearly, they're not nearly as awesome as you think they were because it was literally like a brick that you carried around in your pocket like you might as well have had a bag phone <laughs> they weighed a million pounds yeah and there was no space for that and your wallet and your keys or anything else and that was one of the ones that like flipped open right yeah yeah the yeah yeah that's cool. you can play a mean game of snake on it yeah right i played snake on my nokia brick uh but casey what what can you can you can't have any of the getchulas but you can have anything else. I don't. I don't actually know because I. Because uh, you're recently a colubrid guy. Well, yes, but I also don't know like, where Georgia draws the line. Either. Yeah, yeah, I get it. I get That's kind of what's confusing about it. Is like I have seen Everglades rat snakes at pet shops and at Repticons, so, so those are allowed. So. I don't really know where that falls within like rat snake taxonomy, but right now you can't have an albino corn, can you? No, 
No. Can't have corns, period. Period. Yeah. But um, I've been told from people who own pet shops that DNR doesn't care at all if you have uh, green adults. So figure that really? one out. Yeah. That's so weird. Probably because they're too busy laughing at the fact that your people are trying to sell green anoles. I love green anoles. I think they're super cool. Dude, I love seeing them around me because there's just so little of them left because all the Caribbean stuff has basically taken their role that like when I see one on like the windowsill, I'm like, oh my God, look at you little green bastard. Cell phone, cell phone. Little survivor. Yeah, right? It's always just one. I never see more than one. So... Super cool. He's like a survivor in a zombie movie. Like he's just battle hardened. Yeah. And... yeah. No, I mean, I would think if it's if it's a similar scenario with like Everglades rats, then you probably would be okay with non Eastern King. Yeah, know, I think we would be. Stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I imagine that. I mean, maybe because you weren't looking for. I've never actually been to a show in Georgia, but I imagine that because you're not looking for it, there's probably cow kings. There's probably Negrita. No, there's definitely cow kings. There's okay. definitely um, great banded kings. There's, you know, all the yeah. pituophis from the west west side. Yeah, Splendida. Yeah. yeah. So all the stuff's around. Mm-hmm. Yeah, dude. I'll tell you what, I man. I, I didn't really give a shit about Splendida until we saw one in the wild. And then, like, I was like, man, this snake's really freaking cool. Like, especially weird how that gives you like a better appreciation for stuff. I also think it was a major fact that I don't think I'd ever seen an adult one ever prior to that one. Mm -hmm. And I think that because like every time I see it, it's like this big. And I'm like, "Eh." it's like, it's a fake blackhead, you know? But that's my problem with a lot of colubrid stuff is I just, I've never seen an adult version of them before. You know, I've seen the little ones that are like curled up that big. In a deli cup, yeah. I, I probably maybe I'm trying to think if I've ever actually seen an adult Cali King. I'm yeah, pretty sure I, I have. I, I mean, I've definitely I've had them. Then it, it's the spit. It's the exact same snake. <laughs> so yeah, I, that's kind of why I there. like. It. I just want a bigger version of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I actually, but then, missed... you know, I've even got stuff in my collection where. Um, I've got a few things where I'm like, I don't actually know how big these get. You know, I got these yeah. babies. Um, okay, so I've seen adult Jani. I've seen adult. I've never seen an adult Angolan python. Really? Mm-mm. I know will. they get a lot bigger than a ball python does. Well, like yeah, relatively, but... like they're like a six foot ball python. Yeah, but with I've a ne- much I've thinner body and. I've I've seen ball pythons that were pushing six foot. I've never seen a six foot Angolan. Okay, okay, so they're yeah. I mean, everyone I've seen was around four, four and a half, and like a uh, uh, a thin blood python. Yeah, yeah, that's a good way to describe their body type. Is they uh, they're not built like a ball python at all. They don't move like a ball python. Yeah, and they're studded. Yeah, they're studded. Ribbed, ribbed. Yeah, we got to get Casey into King Snakes. Got to do it. Last thing I need is more. Stump. Okay, okay. You take my blue tongues. <laughs> King Snakes and Thorn Scrubs. How are the, how are the baby blue tongues? No, they're good. They're good. Um, I've actually awesome. been feeding them uh, mice once or twice a week now, kind of like nice. to supplement other stuff. Cool, cool. So they're growing pretty quick. Uh, not sure. There's 
One of them is het melanistic. Which one it is, I don't know. They're different enough looking where I'm like, okay, there has to be like, there has to be one that one of you that is. Have you sent any pictures to anybody for a comparison? I've tried to in blue tongue groups, but blue tongue groups are kind of weird where it's like the people who are really serious about it aren't really in the groups anymore. And then like the beardy moms for skinks are still in the groups. So like I'll ask a question that like someone would have given me an answer to like two years ago. And then like, okay, how do you like, I posted up some pictures of ones like, Hey, give me a guess on what sex these are. And like two years ago, I would have had some old school guys come in and say, that's this, that's this, that's this, and this. And then I posted up recently and like people made fun of me saying you can't look at them and tell sexes. Or I'm like, what? We did okay. this like two years ago. Yeah. Accurately. Yeah, yeah exactly. You got to send them to uh, Jake Hansen because I know he's he's breeding them. He's got them in outdoor enclosures, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. So. Well, I mean, uh, we still need to edit that video that we took at Daytona of yeah. Ryan McVeigh showing how to pop them we safely. Do. We do. You got to send me... You got to email me the the clips. This is on your phone, right? Was it on my phone? I thought it was on it, your camera. Is on my my camera? No, it's on Billy's camera. It's on Billy's camera. It's so I will talk actual to, camera. We've got to like okay. do some kind of weird. Uh, yeah, he's got. He just got to email them to me. I'll, I'll put them in Adobe. So I mean, he's gonna be Billy. He's gonna be Billy's gonna be Billy for the next couple. He's gonna be busy yes, for the next couple days. Yes, he is. Like, stop all of your hurricane prep. Email me videos. Show me pictures of this blue tongue skink crotch. Way yeah. more important than you trying to save yeah, lives. Stop, stop putting your shutters on. Yeah. Way more important. Drop everything. I mean, he's already like, he's already gotten rid of that tree that was in his front yard. Like, what else does he got to do now? <laughs> That's right. true. Hey, dude, imagine if he still had that tree. Oh, my God. The thing Did he get rid right... of that big one in like his front yard? Yep. Well, it yep. fell on his house. I don't think it was by choice. <laughs> Oh, yeah, but, but imagine imagine if the hurricane had made it to it. Oh. Mm-hmm. oh. I still think one of the funniest videos that they ever sent us was the ducks that had made a nest in the hollow tree. Yeah. And they were yeah. jumping out of the tree because they're ducks. So Billy's like going down there and chasing them and like putting them back in the tree. And as soon as he does, they jump back out of the tree. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Oh. Crazy times, freaking ducks. Yeah, because they those are like the uh, the whistling ducks. Is that what they're called? No, Florida's Mus- like covered in Muscovy. these Muscovy ducks. Muscovy ducks. Yeah. Muscadine gut ducks. Yep. Muscadines. Yeah, they live like they breed like weeds. They live like crazy in Florida, and uh, from what I gather, they're introduced so you can't hurt them or move them or kill them or anything. But they're legitimately an invasive species. Um, they, they're friggin' everywhere. Uh, and from what, <clears throat> from what I've been told is that in their home range, which I think is Argentina, someone please correct me, um, they're tree-going ducks. But the tree that they use to live in, we don't have in Florida, so they just live in people's bushes. <laughs> That's it. They're just yeah. chilling in, chilling in a ficus. Overcome. Literally, yep. I know last time I went, well, yeah, no, it was last time I went to Billy's house and you were there. Uh, one of the ducks just like laid eggs on the front front porch. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like not it's, even in a nest, just like there's an egg. This is like the 12, 12 Days of Christmas. What's that song? Little Drummer Boy? 
Yeah, yeah. Well, what's funny is I have a my coworker. His wife is Caribbean, and she's comes from a th- different world. Dare I say, a third world? And she cooks him breakfast every day, and he was like, "Babe, these eggs taste weird." She's like, "They're the same eggs I always get. Don't worry about it." He's like, "All right." And like another day, he's like, "Babe, these eggs taste weird." And she's like, I don't know. Maybe it's you. Maybe it's the orange juice. I don't know. He caught her on her hands and knees in the front of the apartment complex with a broom smacking Muscovy ducks off their nest and taking their eggs. And that's what he was eating for breakfast. Yeah. You told me that story. That's yeah. So yeah. That's fucked. So I wonder, <laughs> though, if they taste weird because they're duck eggs or because they were fertile eggs. Probably both. Yeah, yeah probably. That. Oh God. Yeah, probably. Yeah, both. I guarantee you they were fertile eggs. Yeah, a hundred, hundred percent, hundred percent. Oh, but and I like, mean, like a farm egg tastes different than like a backyard chicken egg too. And you, you know that she wasn't washing them off or anything, so they're covered in bacteria. Well, I mean, man, they they got a natural coating on them, right? They got a they have a shell. Dude, I've seen, I've seen those nests and they're just covered in just feathers and feces. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. Ugh. Break out the dawn once again. Yeah. God. Ugh. I'd eat one. Maybe not a fertile one. Ugh. Horrible. Bad. Have we talked yeah. about my, my curiosity of trying to eat a rat sometimes? <laughs> No, but have you and I talked about this before? With I think we have. Thing? I think this is like a, a backyard conversation. A yeah, yeah. Times where I watched a documentary about Chinese street food once. Right. And I watched a Chinese woman uh, cook rats in the same way that you would cook sesame chicken. And okay. they did not look unappetizing. Yeah, like on a skewer? Yeah, like, on a, like fried on a skewer the same way that like someone would fry up sesame chicken with the did sesame they... oil, with the sesame seeds. They look they pretty do, good. They do the thing where they burn all the hair off. I mean, I think she skinned them. Oh, okay, okay. Because I've seen it where they 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 field dress it, but they leave the appendages, the tail, the head, and the fur. And then what they do is they take a torch or like a, a they take an open flame, I should say, and they burn off all the hair. And then they come by and they pluck off like the big pieces and then they burn more. And it's kind of like when you have a piece of rope and you, you like melt the end so it doesn't fray. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like that. And like the fur adheres to the skin and adds to like the crunch. You know what I mean? So they're making like rat rinds instead of kinda, pork rinds? Kinda, yeah, it's it kind of, but it's still, it's on the meat. So it's still there. But my, what I want to do is I want to have like a big Herper's barbecue, right? Mm-hmm. And you you know on the barbecue grill, there's like that side burner for like searing vegetables, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, it's where you do the pineapples and the right, 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 right. Well, you keep it sequestered to that little burner, right? But I want to buy some laboratory grade colossal rats. I want to field dress them the way like you can buy them frozen. You know, I want to field dress them, no different than I would a squirrel or a rabbit, and like no head, no appendages, no just field dressed pretty. And I want to leave it out there and I want to barbecue it. And I'll offer it to people. Tell them what it is. Be like, that is Colossal Rat. If you'd like to try some, here we have it. Grilled so, case okay. I wonder style. if it's going to hit the same problem you have with wild boar, right? Where if you want to get a younger one because the older boars 
will have just so much like nasty hormone taste. Would it be better for you to eat like a, a medium rat versus a colossal rat? Well, you're right. And the ASS you're really right. tastes better because ball pythons definitely think African <laughs> sulfur rats taste better than rats. Well, I think you're right. I think it'd be better to get a medium than like a colossal. But I also would, I would 100% bet that it is much more tender to have a female because upon euthanasia, there's no bleeding of the testosterone into the meat to uh, uh, harden the meat or, you know, over uh, an overabundance of, of testosterone hormones in the muscle tissue can make it sinewy. Or yeah. Make it gross. gross. Yeah. Like that's why you can pretty much only make pepperoni out of uh, an adult boar. Right. Right. Yep. What the but, fuck are we talking about? Okay, no, no, no. This is a great conversation. I really it, it is. This. this is like what me and Phil talk about. Like, yeah, mammalian <laughs> crypto is a real thing. <laughs> Look, man, I'm that I'm not worried about. <laughs> okay, yeah. but uh, no, 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 I want to know Look. though. If you do a colossal rat, would it would the fat make it marbled like beef? Right? No, Maybe the not. fat would make it better. No, I don't imagine because despite the despite the fact that it being a cap and a captive propagated animal. I don't think it's going to have the fat content per se that say a suckling pig would, because when you look at some of the other game animals that are still raised in captivity, whether it be game birds or venison or whatever, the fat content still just still isn't there. And I imagine that you'd probably have to have some kind of fat content added to it so that it doesn't dry out too much. You know what? We, we may want to like put some raw bacon on top of it, and kind of let those that the fat juices drip on top, you know what I mean? Or better yeah. yet, I got. By the way, I for the people it. listening, this is not a joke. Like Phil, this is dead going yeah, to try this serious. sometime. You know what we're gonna do? This is what we're gonna do. We'll field dress, right? We'll quarter it, okay, so it cooks evenly, right? We'll put it in a glass Pyrex, okay, and we'll put in. We'll do mojo. We'll do some uh, garlic salt, some cumin to cut the gaminess. And then we'll add some strips of raw bacon and we'll let that marinate. Maybe put a little milk in there and let that marinate in the fridge for like four or five hours. Okay, Hannibal Lecter. And then we'll do some shish kebabs. We'll do some bell peppers, some onions. I think that's some good abilities. Let's try this. I'm, and I still, I, okay, just because I saw the documentary, I want to see what one tastes like when it's put up like sesame chicken, just fried <laughs> like a, okay, fried right. like a chicken wing. With a little bit of soy sauce, a little bit of sesame oil, and then some sesame seeds. Okay. I mean, I'm sure it doesn't taste any different than squirrel, but I, I've never. Well, you know, I've had squirrel, a little bit greasy. I'm so surprised probably... that you even want to eat them, having seen and pressed I... them. Like, I don't want to. eat They're disgusting, after... horrible creatures. They are horrible. Like, I don't want to, unless it was like an apocalyptic sort of thing where I didn't have a choice. I'm not voluntarily eating any of the rodents that I breed. Like, I've you don't want to you don't want to once you've seen how sausage is made. Alan Stevens says you could dress up cardboard with all that and it would taste good. <laughs> He's got a point. He's got a point. He does have a point. Yeah, but no, I mean, there has to be a difference too in the taste between a rat, a mouse, and an African soft fur. There has to be like the snakes yeah. prefer one or the other for a reason. And I want to know what that reason is. Yeah, but we're not going to be able to tell when we've marinated in moho. <laughs> you know what I mean? 
it's not going to be like an accurate uh, uh there's no control there yeah you're <laughs> right you're right we'll Steve's a, sanctuary venom hot sauce yeah we'll put a skirt steak on there as the control oh that'd be so funny <laughs> if we chimichurri. did <laughs> we did fried rat the way we do wings and then try steve's sanctuary hot sauces yeah, exactly <laughs> dude that'd be a, that'd be a great fundraiser man be a it would great be fundraiser rat tacos yeah, we, we will look more into this. And hey, dude, if we're gonna, if we're gonna do rat tacos, we got to do it in a slow cooker and pull that meat apart. Yeah. Oh yeah. Y'all have fun with that. It's gonna be good. I mean, last time I had squirrel, we did uh, in uh, a little peanut oil in a Dutch oven with some Everglades seasoning. Fantastic. I wasn't much of a fan of squirrel when I had that either. I don't know. I was just. It's because you haven't had Florida Fresh Squirrel. Greasy? It wasn't greasy. It was good. I guess not. What I want to try is, and you can't do it in Florida because they are heavily protected, but I want to try Fox Squirrel. So I got to come up to your guys' neck of the woods so we can shoot some Fox Squirrel because I hear that is fantastic. Why would you want to kill one of those magnificent creatures? I, they are pretty freaking adorable, are they not? They're freaking cool. They're like, not even so adorable. It's just badass, cute. dude. It's a freaking Godzilla squirrel. I know, and they have little cute little barriers. They're the all black ones. Yeah, they're pretty freaking cute. I know. Who am I kidding? I couldn't do it. I don't know, man. I've I've also heard from like old hunting books that uh, beaver tail is pretty good. Really? Yeah. Like cow tongue. That's like what that's what the old trappers like to eat, or maybe yeah. maybe it's gross. And they didn't have remember. a choice. They ha- they still had their preferences, right? Yeah, but dude, some pioneer frontiersman, he wasn't exactly going to the store and getting wagyu, you know. That is true. So, <laughs> oh man, what I can what keep talking about this kind of thing for a while, but I'm sure the uh, members of a snake podcast people don't. That's not the audience that want to. That's something the audience wants to hear. Yeah, we went, from, we went from like twenty people to eleven. So. Yeah, I, uh, I apologize for that comment. Good job. It's Cameron. also eleven o'clock. It's also eleven o'clock on a Monday. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Well, boys, corn, is there anything else you want to touch base on? Corn snakes are pretty cool. Corn yes, snakes are pretty cool. Yes, we are. What? I have, a, I have an addiction. You do. Like I, me and Chris just send pictures of corn snakes to each other all the time, like ones that are for sale. And it's I, I, I can't possibly stay focused on one particular, couple of particular morphs. I just there's too much oh. cool stuff. I did cut a ball python clutch today. Oh yeah, mm. I did. Um, there's ball pythons. Did they hatch today, or they they were late today? No, no, no. Like one would cut its way out, and then I cut the eggs. Oh, okay. So there's ball pythons in there, and pop them out. Yeah, so I jay brewed them. But um, yeah, yeah. I don't really know how to ID stuff like at all. So I can look in there, being like, okay, that's a ball python. You're a ball python. That's a ball python that kind of looks a little more purpley than that ball python. Man, I'm not going to lie. Elijah Day had some at his table at Daytona that I I kind of want. Balls are really cool, man. 
I don't I mean, know. I can look other at other than them being free, freeway somethings. I don't know what else they are after that, and I don't know any idea of what's involved in making that combination. They just look neat, and I liked them, and they were pretty. And he's like, I'll send you one. I'm like, don't do it. Don't do it. You're a snake guy, man. You're allowed to like snakes. No, it's, it's not true. even that. It's a space thing. Like, Okay, I, yeah. I, okay, space thing's different. There's... Yeah. If space weren't an issue, I probably would have gotten that and maybe he had like bamboo somethings. I don't even know what that is, but I just know it looked neat and I liked it. So it's all Greek to me. And Phil is uh, Phil's in some of me and Billy's conversations about ball pythons. We send Dude, stuff back and forth. Incredible photos, man. Some amazing looking animals. No idea what the hell I'm looking at, but they're gorgeous. You know what else is gorgeous and that you need, Casey? What's that? Thorn scrub rats. That was a that was a good segue. I appreciate that. One of them's aberrant ish. I don't know what a thorn scrub is supposed to look like when it's not aberrant, to tell you the truth. So uh, I'll send you a picture. Send me some pictures. Picture a yellow rat snake, but gray with pitchovis pattern. Hmm. Okay. Did Billy have those or were those Texas rats? Are Texas rats the same thing as storm scrubs? No. No. Okay. Billy had Texas. Yeah, he's got the the big Texas ones from, from Paint Shab. Yeah. That's obtusus, right? Or obsoletus? Chris is going to yell at me. I don't, I don't remember. remember. All I know is they were big, but they were really cool looking. I've seen some nice ones that have like a lot of purple to them. Like really just wild looking, but they ain't Bairds. They ain't Bairds. Well, boys, well, wrapping it up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I can get this sucker uploaded. Yeah, I got, uh, we I got light, should be back. Behind me. Should be back Thursday for THP something, something, something. Don't remember what number. 170-ish. Something. one. 175, 176, somewhere between 170 and 180, I think. Uh, and then I know Chris has kind of been working on getting a, another Corn Stars episode lined up. Uh, I do want to try and get another Conjure cast put out because it's, uh, you know, a new quarter. So you're still doing those? Yeah, barely. Have you ever done a, a startup? episode like how to get into chondros no i think that'd be a good idea i think there's there's a lot of content out there talking about uh advanced keeping and lineage and you know natural history but i i don't think that i've ever seen and i could be wrong a basic i want to get into a chondro how do i start where do i start what do i look for what do i do what do i get you know I think that could be good. Buy a bunch of little yellow worms and be prepared to cry. Yeah, right. Sitting Indian style in a black room with a headlamp, wiggling tears rolling heads. down your cheek as one finally takes, but then you realize you have to pee and you can't move. Yep. Otherwise, the forty-five minutes you just spent will be wasted. Yep. Just watching the snake eat as you pee yourself. In a hot yeah. room. Anyway. It's just hot enough to be uncomfortable. 
you, you do what I did and you walk into the room and you flip the lights on and your friend goes, turn the fucking lights off. Yep. <laughs> did that. I'm sorry. I, a, I didn't know. Sitting in a dark room with the door closed and, and my roommate walked in. I'm like, close the door. Yep. He's like, what yep. are you doing? I'm like, don't worry about it. Yeah, I did that to my buddy Chris once. <laughs> Look, what the hell are you doing? He's like, I'm feeding Condros. Look away. Yep. Well, this episode was brought to you by blackboxcages.com. You can you can get cages from other places, but why 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 bother? Yeah, why? Some of the fastest lead times in the industry right now, around two weeks. Uh, check them out. Use the code THN at checkout. Get ten percent off your order. Um, and then Puget Sound Pythons. Check them out. Facebook, Instagram. Good old Gendra. Saw pictures of, of Jeff and, and Kendra out, out doing some, some fly fishing in a tepid creek, a babbling brook. It was adorable. There was probably a grizzly bear in the background mauling some sort of small animal. It was lovely. <laughs> Just a, a, a Bob Ross painting from hell. Nice, nice. Happy trees, angry bears. That's right. See a guy getting chased by one in the background, bear spray doing absolutely nothing. <laughs> He's shooting it downwind. <laughs> <laughs> Spraying it in front of him as it's just blowing yeah. back into yeah. his face. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. Uh. All right, y'all. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Bye.